Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. The Carl Nelson Show. Morning, wake up squad, and thanks for starting your day with us again. Later, futuristic researcher Siddiqui Bakari will provide us with an AI artificial intelligence update. Brother Siddiqui will explain the ascension algorithm and its relationship to spiritual technology. But before we hear from Brother Siddiqui, the Dean of Black Journalists, Dr. Barbara Reynolds, the Reverend Dr. Barbara Reynolds, will debut her book, The Rise and Fall of the Techno Messiah technology and the end times it's an interesting title interesting book family but to get us started baltimore transit equality coalitions samuel jordan is back good morning samuel oh it was well hold on samuel let me just tell the folks what's coming up later this week we're going to join by metaphysician minister amlak also uh, the master teacher himself brother ashra kwashi is going to be here uh, publisher, author, Dr. Rosie Milligan is going to join us as well. And we're going to hear from a uh, chemitologist, Tony Browder. He's, he's going to preview this uh, documentary about uh, uh, Renoka Rashida, Dr. Renoka Rashida. So make sure you keep listening all this week. Uh, Samuel, good morning. Welcome back to the program. Samuel, that there? I'm not hearing Samuel, Kevin. <laughs> he's... Oh, his phone just dropped. All right, we'll get back to him in a moment because he's got to give us an update on because he's been here before and talked about the Baltimore Transit. He's part of the Baltimore Transit Equality Coalition. I think he's one of the founders. But uh, the, the red line, that's, that's, that's what he's here for, to tell us about what's going on with the red line. You know, he, he talked about that earlier this year and the, the problems and the challenges in, in getting that off the ground. So we want to find out how that's, how, if anything has uh, improved since the last time we had our conversation. You know, in Baltimore, we've got to fight for everything that we want. And, you know, that's why I tell folks, you know, don't give up the fight. You know, keep fighting and never surrender because uh, that's when you start to lose, of course. But uh, we're going to find out how the red line is doing because we want that red line completed in the city. And now is a good time to get involved with it because uh, we're in an election season. And it's time you can wrangle some promises out of those folks who want your vote. So this is the best time to, you know, going after anything or any politician. This is the best time to put it on their desk and say, hey, we want this, you know, and explain to them how it works in favor. Uh, all right, Samuel, are you there? I'm here, and good morning. Oh, good. Good morning. So before you tell us about the, the fight for the uh, for the red line, give us an update. Give us the background, because we always have some new listeners who've never heard about this struggle before. So give us some background on, on how we got to where we are today. Certainly. In 2015, former Governor Larry Hogan, who had just been elected in the 2014 election, decided to cancel the red line light rail project that had been in planning for 13 years from 2002 to 2015. That red line project was planned to bring 
greatly improve transit equity, access to jobs uh, across the entire Baltimore region. It's east-west from Bayview in the east to CMS Woodlawn, the security mall in the west. And it would take 54,000 passengers daily, 14.2 miles, 19 stations. It would bring rapid light rail transit to Baltimore for the first time. And, you know, over the last eight decades, development, economic development, attracted by light rail, has been the most robust generator of economic development in the country. That's for eight decades, and there's no competition with it. So what we're trying to do is to bring that plan back to completion. Governor Moore has promised to do so, but we're very concerned that he's not quite taking the steps rapidly enough to achieve that goal, because it will take time for us to get it planned, a reevaluation of the old of the approved plan. Now the red line had been fully funded, fully approved, and had what's called a record of decision from the US Department of Transportation. That means you now have the green light to begin spending our nine hundred million dollar grant. That's what the uh, Maryland got for the red line system. Larry Hogan rescinded that nine hundred million dollars grant, gave it back to the federal government and use the money that was left to build a red line of $2.95 billion. He sprinkled that in highway and transportation projects in the rural areas of the state where his white Republican base lives. So essentially, this is an example of, uh, an example of structural racism in public transportation. He took $2.95 billion from a light rail transit system that would go east and west through the heart of Baltimore from black, largely black communities who would benefit perhaps most than any others, more than any others, and transferred that money from the black communities that was intended to the white rural communities in Maryland. So I... All right. Let me jump in here and ask you this, though, uh, uh, Samuel. Uh, I'll let you finish your thought in a sec. Did he ever say why he did it? He rescinded that money, gave that money back? Can you? Did he ever, you know, what was his excuse? Yes, he did. He did. But you see, his explanation, he called it a boondoggle. And a boondoggle is not actually English. It's Koch Brothers talk for wasteful expense. You see, they oppose any sort of rail business, any sort of rail projects, because they're in the business of additives to uh, gasoline, for example, in the autocentric culture, so they don't support it. But Hogan also was demonstrating a law, an adage in the transportation sector. That is, racism, structural racism, is the chief suppressor of investment in public transportation. And that was his best uh, George Wallace impersonation, because the, the mantra among people who don't really believe in this kind of upgrade in transportation for black people say simply, throw a bus at it and don't spend a penny more. You see, the autocentric culture has divided the society as well. White folks use mainly cars, and buses are thrown to black people in supposedly what's called public transportation. But when the red line is built with its 10,000 jobs, dramatically reduced commute times, and three to six and a half billion dollars in transit-oriented development, the regional economy of Baltimore would be totally transformed. 
So the benefits wouldn't accrue just to black and brown communities, but to the entire region. And you see, that's to end that point. That's what happens with white supremacy. The gifts of white supremacy, there are only three of them, violence, the threat of violence, and underdevelopment for everybody. And that's what has happened with Hogan's cancellation of the Red Line Light Rail project. It threw Baltimore into flatlining economy, and it hasn't recovered yet. So we're trying to make sure that we retrieve what was stolen from us, put Baltimore on a new track as a leading city of the nation with an improved public transportation system. As you would know, there's no major city in the country whose public transportation system is anchored by a bus. Baltimore is. So it's got to get into this century with a system for public transportation that will expand beyond the Baltimore region, but it has to be done now. And we want this governor, Governor Moore, to do what he said he was going to do, build the red line, and we want him to build it now. All right. Uh, eight minutes after the top of the hour, just waking up, our guest is Samuel Jordan. He's from the Baltimore Transit Equality Coalition and discussing the red line. Uh, who benefited from the red line not being built under uh, 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 Larry Hogan? Who, who benefited from that? Well, the entire region would benefit, but that's where the Baltimore No, who benefited from it not happening, though? I, I know the entire region would ben- benefits from it when, when it whenever it is created, but who benefited what, because it didn't? it wasn't created by Hogan? The, the the roads and highway lobby, the roads and highways lobby. You see, Hogan took the money after after giving that nine hundred million dollars back to the federal government. There was one point two billion dollars in the state transportation trust fund. He put that money. He transferred the money that was in the red line to the money for these thirteen transportation projects around the state that he spent at least seven hundred thirty six million dollars on. That industry. The highways and roads, the construction that supports highways and toll roads and so on, that's the industry that largely benefited from his decision to cancel the red line. And you see, Larry Hogan's father was the county executive of Prince George's County. We shouldn't forget that. So he had his father's Rolodex when he ran for office. Well, that Rolodex, his father was a roads and highwayman. So he has a roads and highways Rolodex. When you endorse a political candidate, you're enrolling, you're endorsing their Rolodex also. And that's what happens with Larry Hogan. The beneficiaries were largely uh, the highway, con- uh, highway construction uh, economy, uh, roads and highways, and those who also build out toll roads. He had a scheme with an Australian company to manage toll roads. In, uh, in Maryland. And you see, Wes Moore, the new governor, is continuing some of those same policies. And we're saying it's time to have a distinct demarcation between a Larry Hogan past and his segregationist history to be distinguished and demarked from a Westmore future. He has to make that distinction between the two administrations and public transportation is the most important one because that will be a driver of the economy. Nothing else that Larry do over his eight years was more important than his decision to cancel a red line light rail project. Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans and your treatment. 
Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Can we make a connection between the cancellation and and uh, former Governor Hogan? Uh, is can we make a connection? Is there anyone that supported his campaign? Is this some sort of political payback? Have, have you dug that far down into this uh, this dispute? Well, yes, there there are a number of folks. I just identified the the uh, industrial sector that would benefit. Well, these are the folks who was saying uh, in Baltimore, for example, don't build a red line because black folks in West Baltimore will just use the red line to steal television sets in Canton and Fells Point and so on in East Baltimore with the white communities. Well, that's a myth because, you see, it's never supported by independently verifiable data. That's a myth about uh, black people in public transportation. That's one of the myths we always have to overcome. But the auto industry the real estate industry, uh, the aftermarkets in both those industries and their constellation of enterprises, insurance, mechanics, there's a whole culture built around the auto-centric culture. There's a whole economy in the country built around the auto-centric culture. Well, it's time now for us to defeat the auto-centric culture because it's not the best way to challenge climate change. And climate change is upon us. We've got to get people out of cars. Mass transportation is one of the most important uh, strategic projects, strategic assets in the response to climate change. So you see, we've got that industry that supports the fossil fuel industry. Well, they are opposed to light rail traffic like this because it, too, is a demand for a new way of living, a new basis for the economy. Take fossil fuels and the extractive industries out of the basis of the economy and put green economy in. Right now, renewable energy is cheaper than conventionally uh, produced electricity, and it's getting cheaper every year. We're challenging MTA and the governor not only to complete the Red Line Light Rail project, but to power it with solar energy, renewable energy, whether it's uh, wind energy or solar energy or any or geothermal. The point is you can pipe it to the red line and have it propel the system. So we're saying we're on the side of history, we're on the side of justice, and we're on the side of the response to climate change, which is an investment in the future. So the way we put it is bus rapid transit is to expense as light rail trance is to investment. All right, hold that thought right there, Samuel. We're going to take a short break here, 14 after the top of the hour, folks. When we come back, though, tell us how many people you think, estimate how many people would use this rail line, the red line, 
yeah. on a daily basis for us. 800-450-7876. You want to join this conversation with Samuel Jordan, reach out to us. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes at 14 after the top of the hour. Uh, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also on the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Our information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour, our guest is Samuel Jordan. Sam has been fighting to get the red line established. That would connect, it would connect uh, east and west to Baltimore. And, and in fact, uh, the the governor uh, governor got it. He, he was uh, given money, actually federal money. Governor Hogan, that's the name I was looking for, uh, to do this project, and he gave it back to the federal government. And, and my question, before I take a phone call for you, I asked you, uh, Samuel, is how many people would benefit from this? How many people would use this this rail on a daily basis? Okay, that's two questions. The users of the bail of the rail system, the transit riders were estimated at fifty four thousand per day. Okay, but the beneficiaries of the entire region because as you know, in the industry the mantra is development follows rail. Buses follow development. So a light rail system, the most robust generator of economic development, would have benefited everybody. But the riders per day listed about 54,000 per day. Right now, the subway, for example, in Baltimore takes about uh, 25 to 30,000 people on a daily basis. It's already serving uh, northern uh, Baltimore and the area around Hopkins, Johns Hopkins downtown. So it would almost double, that is, the pan- the passenger load, say, of the current subway system, uh, but it will travel from Bayview in the east, that's the Johns Hopkins campus in the east Baltimore, to Woodlawn CMS, Security Mall in Western County, uh, Baltimore County, after crossing through Baltimore City. So the entire region would uh, benefit. But you see, structural racism is an instrument of control ever since the enslavement days, and it's that legacy that has to be overcome, that history that Baltimore has to overcome in order to move ahead for the future. All right. Uh, 23 at the top there. Mark is reaching out to us. He's on line one. He's in Baltimore. Mark, good morning. Uh, yes, uh, good morning, gentlemen. Uh, the red line uh, idea is very good, except yours truly, like everybody else, writes the regular subway system. We only have one line with 14 stations in Baltimore. Washington, D.C. having, what, multiple lines, like 10 different color lines, and I forgot how many stations they have. The problem is that we have had a lot of problems. It's that old system that where sometimes the trains are going only single track and you're doing constant repairs on the tracks, or the escalators are not working, or the elevators are not working, or... Um, in, in some cases, the station lights, where it tells you um, how many minutes are left before a train arrives to a certain destination, it's not on or whatever. So my question is, uh, doing the red line, it's all fine and good. It hasn't even been built yet. My question is, what can we do to improve whatever it is that we're doing, uh, the, the safety and the operation of the current uh, Subway system that's limited as it is. And what do you say about that? Thank you. I'll give you an, give you an example right off the bat. When you look at a governor's budget, that's when you really find what the governor's priorities are. Larry Hogan's budget for the Department of Transportation allocated 70% of the budget to the state's Highway and Roads Administration, only 2% to the Maryland Transit Administration to conduct all of Maryland's public transit systems. That would include 
the subway, the light rail, the commuter rail, that's the mark system, and the core bus service with his 83% black ridership. So, you see, we had that kind of uh, breakdown in the uh, ridership and the fact that we could have this development as a result of the completion of the red line. So that investment, though, we demanded that the investment not be just 2% for MTA, but double it to 4% at least. That would double the money in the Maryland Transit Administration for the very first time in Maryland's history. It would still leave 68% of Hogan's budget to the State Highway and Roads uh, Administration, but it would double the money for transit. And that's the issue I just mentioned. Public well, structural racism is the chief suppressor of investments in public transportation. And Larry Hogan's decision to cancel the red line and then put the money in roads and highways again was the same old, same old racist and segregationist intended policy of public transportation. So when he canceled okay. it, was there any uproar from it? And Mark, thank you for your call. Was there any uproar from thank the you. community when he canceled it? You know, that's a peculiar thing, Carl, because we began the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition within hours of Hogan's cancellation, within two hours. I personally drafted and hand-delivered the first of two Title VI complaints against the governor and the state was cancellation of the red line. But with respect to the uproar, no, we were standing by ourselves most of this past eight years. At least six of those eight years, uh, Carl, we were the only citywide, statewide transportation advocacy organization that was demanding the completion of the Red Line Light Rail project. In addition, along the course of this past eight years, we saw that it was also necessary to replace or supplant the existing Department of Transportation and Maryland Transit Administration, that's called M.MTA, to replace that with a Baltimore Regional Transportation Authority. That way you respond to structural racism in public transportation with structural change. And that would be the difference that we would make. Not only complete the Red Line Light Rail project, recover what was stolen from us in a fit of racist policy, and get and protect for the future through a supplement of the current uh, exercise of uh, public transportation, that is MDOT, with the Baltimore Regional Transportation Authority. So we don't get that kind of racist policy in public transportation again, and we can protect it. So recover it and then make sure it doesn't happen again. That's our strategy for this period. And we are urging the governor to build this system now. Don't take time with the money. That money won't be available forever. Senators Harden and uh, Cardin and Van Hollen put money in the Biden structural uh, in, uh, infrastructure and jobs project to target Maryland with money when it took the decision to build a red line. Larry Hogan never attempted to access that money. Governor Hogan can. So there's money available right now to begin the first steps toward completion of the Red Line Light Rail Project and the creation of a Baltimore Regional Transportation Authority, like WMATA in Washington, D.C., like SEPTA in Philadelphia, or MTA in New York. Those are regional transportation authorities. That's the better way, the best choice to make right now 
for Maryland that will support the continued work on the Red Line Light Rail Project and a build-out of a public transportation network in regional in the region of Baltimore, the Baltimore region, anchored by light rail. All right. Hold that thought right there. 30 minutes after the top of the hour. Folks, you're just waking up. Our guest is Samuel Jordan from the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. And it's just, uh, fighting to get this red line built to connect to east and west Baltimore. Uh, it'll connect from Bayview to Woodlawn. What are your thoughts? 800-450-7876. Charles is calling from Baltimore. He's online too. Good morning, Charles. Yes, how's everybody doing today? Yes, when y'all talk about the MTA, it really, really is something I'm interested in because the buses are always late. The buses are always being canceled. The bus app is never accurate, and the drivers are just flying by the stops. When you call the MTA, you can't make a complaint, and it's after hours. So, we need to do something about the MTA because the core service <clears throat> is piss poor. But my question is, who actually runs the MTA? Is it the state? I'll make sure. And why does the state sure run the MTA? And right. and what is the state going to do about all the problems on the MTA currently today that us riders have to experience? I would like exactly. y'all to ride the MTA sometime so y'all can see what we're talking about. Thank you. Let me try Thanks, answering Charles. because you've asked you've asked three, four questions at once. First of all, the question of uh, uh, how did this happen? I mean, what's what's going on with the uh, way transit is um, administered? Uh, first of all, we discuss how uh, Baltimore region has an unreliable public transportation system because it's a bus dominant public transportation system. And you see, buses are unreliable. They're unreliable because they have to interact with the local transit and compete with local traffic. So if it's congested, the buses can't move. If there's a, a vehicle, an emergency vehicle or a delivery vehicle on the bus route, on the bus lane, well, the bus has to stop. So it's unreliable, and that's the first thing. Light rail, fixed rail systems are reliable. In fact, when we challenged MTA, that's the Maryland Transit Administration, when we challenged them on the issue of on-time performance of its vehicles, they changed the definition of on-time performance to two minutes early to seven minutes late. But what that means is if my bus is five minutes late and my transfer bus is two minutes early, they're on time. But now I'm going to be 45 minutes or a dollar or an hour late getting to work. So you see, what we're trying to make sure that we get done is to implement a system that overcomes this lack of investment over the years and put in place instead a system that will cover uh, investments, uh, cover preventive maintenance on a regular basis, and make sure that we have a system that will cover us moving forward. So I'm trying to answer that question about, first, the unreliability. That is a characteristic of bus rapid transit, excuse me, of bus systems anchoring a transportation system, whether it's bus rapid transit or any other bus. Now, what he also did was throw a bus at it. And you see, we're 
copying that same policy now. We're trying to move ahead with a new policy under Governor Moore. So 54,000 passengers would move on a daily basis. We'd have uh, the increase in what's called transit-oriented development for the very first time. And we would have addressed the fact that bus systems are unreliable. And if, for example, buses, as a result, a bus-dominant system doesn't attract the transit-oriented development because, as we put it in the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition, banks don't invest in bus stops. You go to a bank say, i got a great project, and I have a bus stop right in front of my business, and therefore you should invest in me. They'll laugh at you. Look, having access to transit is one thing. Having access to the destination is another thing. So it's not automatic that having a bus nearby is going to be a support for your business. Instead, banks want a permanent, more permanent, fixed guideway system in which to invest. And that would make all the difference in Baltimore as well. So what we're saying right now is we can make that change. People listening, all of our listeners, they can contact us online, our online uh, email or internet address is moretransitequity.com. You go to that uh, URL, moretransitequity.com, and you'll find at least seven things you can do right away to help us win this battle, including a letter going directly to the governor saying, Governor Moore, get this thing underway. Let's build it now. Let's recover from Larry Hogan from what he stole here uh, in Baltimore. Let's move ahead. So, Right. And hold that thought right there, uh, Samuel, because we've got to take a quick break, and I'll let you pick that up. Let's talk about what uh, the governor can do. And also when we come back to tell us, because you mentioned that the the red line proposal runs from Woodlawn to Bayview and stops downtown. But what are some of the other stops? Some people who live by those areas, too, can can join the fight and have a reason to get in on this fight. Folks, you want to join this conversation about the red line, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes after the news, traffic, and weather in our cities right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. Good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top there with our guest Samuel Jordan from the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. Before we go back to him, they're having a fight now trying to get the red line built in Baltimore to connect east and west Baltimore. But before we go back to him, let me just remind you, uh, later this morning we're going to talk about AI, artificial technology. First up with uh, the dean of black journalists, Dr. Barbara Reynolds. She's going to debut her book, The Rise and Fall of the Techno-Messiah, Technology and the End Times. And then we've got uh, our, our own brother, uh, uh, Sadiqi Bakari will be with us. He's a futuristic researcher. Give us an update on AI. Later this week, uh, metaphysician, Minister Amlek will be here. Also, the, the master teacher himself, Brother Ashra Kwesi, will join us. And publisher and author, Dr. Rosie Milligan. And chemitologist, Tony Browder. They're all going to be here before the week's out. So make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WOLB in Baltimore. And also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, where information is power. All right, Samuel, before the break, I was asking you, because you mentioned that it's going to connect east and west of Baltimore, the red line, and we know it's going to make that stop downtown. But where are some of the other places going to stop in between? So people who live in those areas sure. can understand they've got a dog in this fight as well. Right. Well, there's stops at, uh, let's go east and west, Greektown. There's stops in Fells Point. 
stops in Canton. Uh, there's a stop at downtown Baltimore at the Charles Center. They said Charles in uh, Baltimore. There's a stop at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Lombard and Howard. Uh, there's a stop at uh, the Harbor Center, Harbor East. Then out to uh, West Baltimore, Poppleton. There's a stop at Harlem Park, uh, Sandtown, Winchester. A stop at Allendale. A stop at, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Edmondson Village. And that Edmondson Village is a project that has been around, has been very important in Baltimore's economy for decades. In fact, it used to be served by streetcars that ran up and down the median in Edmondson Village. So that will be the route that the red line takes all on publicly owned right away. And at current, uh, currently, there are no physical obstacles to the completion of the red line light rail project. So over the past eight years since cancellation, there's no development along that corridor that would com uh, prevent it from being completed as planned. So we have this kind of uh, east-west connection, and it will bring that development to communities along the corridor, not just downtown. But those stops in between Bayview in the east and CMS Woodlawn in the west have also been treated to what's called uh, – the development projects of station area advisory committees, communities. Every station of the 19 stations on the red line has what's called a station area advisory committee. These are community members and leaders who, in some cases, two years, but one and a half to two years during the planning of the red line, developed plans for how the stations would be developed, the transit hubs, in their community so that anybody who's living within a 15-minute walk of the transit hub, that's the Red Line Station, would have a livable, walkable, breathable, uh, workable experience, very much like a village. That's the future of Baltimore when we can complete the Red Line Light Rail project. So it will make it uh, accessible. It will make uh, transit uh, reliable, and that's for sure but it also will give transit that ability to stimulate the regional economy and bring 10,000 jobs in the construction phase alone, 3,000 in permanent stage, but in the meantime, it's stimulating the economic development of the entire region, three to six and a half billion dollars along the red line itself. But it should also be available for affordable housing, not just rich folks in rich uh, condos or national brand uh, outlets and so on, it will also have some mixed use, uh, some mixed uh, purpose, but also mixed income capacities along that red line corridor. So that's how it's going to improve greatly transit equity in Baltimore. Now, this is a national phenomenon all over the country. In fact, one thing we make sure people understand is that public transportation is racially conflicted anywhere in this country where black people, brown people, uh, families with uh, modest incomes, and those who are dependent upon transit, transit-reliant. Anywhere those people live, public transportation is racially conflicted. And we're trying to say, Baltimore, take a look. We can overcome. Millions of people believe, Carl, by the way, millions of people believe that you can fight racism. Only a handful believe you can defeat it. We believe it can be defeated. 
Right. Uh, thank you for breaking it down like that. So the rest of the country listening to, can understand what's going on in Baltimore and the red with the red line. 15 away from the top there, though. Claude in, is in Baltimore. He's got a question or a comment for you. Good morning, Claude. You're, you're on with Samuel Jordan. Yes, good morning. Good morning. It's perfect timing. Can good you morning. Pretty good. Yes, sir. You very well. I was born, yes, I was born and raised in the city, and, and I remember when they first started the red line. I mean, not the red line, the uh, road to nowhere. My aunt yes. lived in that area, so we thought that they, some of them had to sell their houses and some of them had to move out of the area. My concern right now is I, I, I'm a community person up there on the, in West Baltimore, the 34 bus line. And yes. we've been trying. We've been trying to get the MTA, and, I, and I've been contacting all my delegates and, and people that can make things happen, for to for them to put new uh, more a bus on the 34 bus line because you know it goes to Westview, and then it goes to Mount Warner, it goes to different places. That bus yeah. runs every hour, every hour, and if the buses don't pull over to the curb, at least stay there for at least five or six or six seconds, so when people walk down the street and they'll see, oh, there's a bus. By the time they get to the corner, the bus pull off. So that's been my argument. They need to pull over to a bus stop and sit there for a couple of minutes. But they always say they're on a time frame. They can't do this and they can't do that. But the thing is, where I'm at now, because I'm a property owner and I used to ride the bus, the problem that people have, and I have a bunch of petitions, I went down to Baltimore Street to the main office and, and gave them a handful of these petitions. It's been four or five years ago, and they still have not did anything. But the thing is, if the, like I said, the bus runs every hour. If they can cut their bus back to a, a half an hour, that'll be a lot better. A lot of people going to work, and, the, and they really missed the red, the red line would be uh, uh, adequate because a lot of them get on a subway, and if they yeah. miss that bus, they they have to take a no a whole new route in order to get to work. Because it takes them half an hour, forty minutes to get to work. But that rail line will make a big difference. And if if I can talk to the right people to have them to put that um, more buses on the thirty four bus line. And the biggest problem is at the stations what I'm talking about. There, the curves is not wide enough for them to put a, a hub there where people can get out of the elements. That is the right. biggest problem, and they know that. They know that, and they keep procrastinating, and it hasn't happened yet. I hope you can look into it. The intersection I'm speaking of is Bell Avenue and Glen Oak Avenue in Zone 7, in mm-hmm. Zone 7. So, right. so you can look into it. All right. Thanks, Lord. I can hear you. I can hear you very well. Thank you. And and okay. uh, thanks, Carl, for having the audience tune in like this and call in. But we can change MTA. We can change the way MTA does business. But remember, we talked about the budget allocation, 2% to MTA and 70% to roads and highways. Well, the budget can be adjusted according to the governor's decision about the budget and how he, Governor Moore, allocates the money in the budget. It doesn't have to follow that Hogan path, the Hogan uh, policy approach. That's why we are supporting transit uh, by a Baltimore Regional Transportation Authority and said, but you're right. If you have a car, you can get to 100% of the job opportunities in the Baltimore region. But if you're depending upon public transportation, you can only get to about 11%. That means your opportunities have been expanded by 10 times if you have access to a car in Baltimore. Well, you shouldn't have to have a car. 
You shouldn't have to own a car to get to work on time or get to any place else that you need to get to on time. But that happens if you're dependent upon a public transportation system dominated and anchored by a bus. So we want those improvements that you spoke about. But when you speak about the highway to nowhere, remember what we're trying to do now, that roadway is a product of the distortion of the of the Eisenhower uh, interstate connection, interstate highway system. It was built to improve the economy of the United States. But what the real estate industry, the automobile industry saw were billions and billions of dollars they could meet, they could earn by dividing the country on the basis of race. So you divide the country on the basis of race, you can tell white people you got to move out of the city. So this whole idea of highways, the highway to nowhere, that occurred all over the country, where highways that were intended to benefit the community did bring some economic development, but it also isolated black communities. That's what we call redlining, ironically. The redlining period was established in Baltimore. In 1910, Baltimore became the very first city in the nation to enforce, legally enforce, racially restrictive covenants in home loans, mortgages, home construction. So we're trying to overcome all that kind of uh, history, and we can do it. But it means you and friends like yourself can call us. Now, my own email address is samuel.jordan at moretransitequity.com. Our website is at moretransitequity.com. Get a hold of us, Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition, and we can fight this together. But we need the solidarity, and we need uh, Baltimore to take charge and stop trembling. We have nothing to lose with the future that we developed for ourselves. In fact, that's the only future you don't have to fear, the one you developed for yourself. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. All right, 808 from the top there. Alex is joining us from Alexandria in Virginia. It's on line one. Good morning, Alex. You're on with Samuel. Shalom. Shalom to the worldwide listeners and shalom to the religious of Torah. Sir, you know exactly why that, that uh, red line was scratched. You know it was scratched because uh, the residents around that West Baltimore neighborhood didn't want uh, uh, that red line coming through. Uh, their neighborhoods. I'm going to read a little section from um, uh, the newspaper because uh, I remember day one when, I, when uh, uh, they first uh, started talking about it. It says, um, a section of West Baltimore Poppleton neighborhood residents said they worry the price of the progress may affect their homes that were built 15 years ago 
in mostly black neighborhoods. So that's our people, about 300 people saying they don't want it coming through their neighborhood. It's hard. Now, this is, I guess, the city trying to buy them out. It's hard for no, no, people to relocate. Let me explain this. Excuse me. I'm, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. But see, that's one of the most important but incorrect myths about the red line, that it would destroy people's homes, uh, crack their foundations, and that some of the homes along the corridor, that 14.2 miles, is all publicly owned right away. But the myth is that it would destroy their homes and that some of them would have to be acquired by eminent domain. That's inaccurate. It's untrue. But it's one of the myths that have been used to help retard and, in fact, block construction of the Red Line light rail project. That myth alone, the Red Line won't do any more damage to people's homes and foundations and so on than the streetcars did in 50 years ago when they were also running up the median on Edmondson Avenue. So there's right. nothing... Now, hold hold that thought right there, Samuel. And Alex, hang on, because we've got to take a short break here. We've got to uh, check the traffic and weather in our different cities and the news in Baltimore. It's six minutes away from the top of the hour, family. We're back in four minutes with Alex from Alexandria, speaking with Samuel, Samuel Jordan from the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. They're trying to build a red line in the city. Right here, we'll come back with our conversation on 1010 WOLB in Baltimore and in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. We're Information is power. Good morning again, family. A minute after the top there. Momentarily, we're going to speak with the Dean of Black Journalists. That would be Dr. Barbara Reynolds, the Reverend Dr. Barbara Reynolds, and her book, The Rise and Fall of the Techno Messiah, Technology and the End Times. But let's wrap up with Samuel Jordan. Sam, uh, in the closing moments here, you, you're trying to get people to go to uh, Governor Moore to tell him to get this yeah. project back on, on track. How do they reach yeah. you, and, and what are you asking for uh, specifically from the governor? Okay. You can reach me. I'm Samuel Jordan. I'm president of the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition. We're the folks who are fighting for the completion of the Red Line light rail project as a light rail project. It was fully funded, fully approved, and had a grant of $900 million from the federal government to build a $2.95 billion system. We want people to contact us at moretransitequity.com. That's our website, moretransitequity.com, M-O-R-E, just one O, M-O-R-E-T-R-A-N-S-I-T, equity, E-Q-U-I-T-Y.com. And there you'll find ways to not only help us, uh, recruit and speak to your friends and neighbors, but to get rid of those myths about the red lines, uh, development and destruction. But also you can send a letter through that website directly to Governor Moore, Governor Westmore, and tell him to get moving on completing the red line light rail project as it was approved. And people can also help us with our petition drive. We want to get on the ballot and the election in 2024, and put a question to the Baltimore registered voter. Should we compel the city to take the very first steps in creating a Baltimore Regional Transportation Authority? That way we can get rid of that single-minded and single uh, autocratic approach to public transportation in a system where the governor makes the decisions alone, without consultation with the communities and the leaders and the people in this region who are most directly impacted. So it's not against the governor, but it's actually to look forward to the future like WMATA. WMATA is a regional transportation authority. 
So we need something similar, not the same thing. We want to use their best practices. But you can reach us. You can get engaged in our movement. It's a social justice movement because we're overcoming structural racism in public policy. But it also means we have a way to move ahead with developing the area and recovering the loss of the economy uh, from Baltimore. So contact us, Samuel Jordan. My email address is Samuel, S-A-M-U-E-L, Jordan, J-O-R-D-A-N, at moretransitequity.com. And you can reach us, and we can follow up with helping you and your community understand the red line history, why we need to build it now, and how you can help us influence the governor in this modal choice. The governor is going to be making a decision in January whether or not the red line system east and west should be a bus system called bus rapid transit, not really rapid, or it's going to be a light rail transit system, a fixed guideway uh, light rail system with reliability that the system doesn't have now, and also the capacity to build the economy with three to six and a half billion dollars in transit-oriented development that buses don't attract. The mantra in the industry is development follows rail. Buses follow development. So you can't anchor Hmm. your public transportation system on a bus. You can help us. We can make this difference. All right. Thanks, Samuel. And keep us in the loop. Let us know how it turns out. All right. Yes. Samuel Jordan family is with the Baltimore Transit Equity Coalition, and they're trying to build that red line, connect east and west of Baltimore. Five after the top of the hour. Good morning, Dr. Reynolds. Welcome back to the program. Well, thank you, Carl. It's good to be here. Not only am I listening all the time, but when I can come on, it's really um, a big deal. Well, we, uh, first of all, I got to thank you. As a journalist, I got to thank you for all that you did for a fellow journalist because you paved the way for many of us in this profession uh, to, to get involved and make it a profession. Because now, right now, it seems like our numbers are shrinking, but because of people like yourself who, who uh, you know, broke the glass ceiling. On the print side, we got to really thank you. So on behalf of all the other black journalists out there, I just want to thank you for what you did. Thank you so much. And and you've written several books, but this book is about AI, artificial intelligence. Why did you tackle that subject? Okay. So glad you asked. Um, Six years ago, uh, as you know, I'm an ordained minister. And I I was in prayer, and I felt a and, and her report speak to me, telling me that artificial intelligence was going to be devastating, that uh, he had no role in it, that uh, men were playing God, creating human substitutes like robots. And he said he wanted me to defend him. And I said, I, and I hope you know God had a sense of humor, but I said, I don't know anything about artificial intelligence. So, God, you don't make mistakes, but you're the main one now because I can't do it because I don't know anything. (laughs) But, you know, I continued after that to um, ask questions. You know, I wanted to know, um, is God in the software, uh, the laboratory, technology is claiming for its own? What does God say of the life and death potentials that artificial intelligence has created? Are scientists replacing pastors and laboratories replacing sacred altars? I begin to ask these questions for myself. And as you know, I wrote um, 
Scott King, and I was talking to her daughter, Dr. Bernice King. I said, you know, I got this moving in my spirit to write about artificial intelligence, but um, I don't think people really care about that. This is six years ago. And she said, Barbara, my father talked about it. He warned that if we continue to allow scientists to become the priests in their laboratories, altars, this is going to be devastating. And it will turn into a Frankenstein monster. So this encouraged me. I'm saying, wow. Now, he talked about this in 1965, but people didn't listen. So um, this so happened. And a couple of months ago, the scientists, I think it was over a 1,000 scientists, they made a public statement. They said, AI systems are now becoming human competitive, and we must ask ourselves, should we let machines flood our information channels with propaganda and untruth? Should we automate away all the jobs, including the fulfilling ones? Should we develop non-human minds that might eventually outnumber and outsmart us, consider us obsolete and replace us? Should we risk the loss of control of our civilization? Now, this is deep, but this is what God spoke into my spirit six years ago, that artificial intelligence, of course, is just a system. But it is not evil, and it is not basically good. It's what people do with it. And so that's why I spent six years trying to answer these questions for ordinary people. This is not a book, basically, for scientists. This is for ordinary people like me who feel that something important is going on that's going to touch all our lives. Because AI, if you want a mortgage, that's figured in. If you want a I'll get certain health treatments that's figured in. AI touches our, li- our life from the time we wake up this is into the time we go to bed. And now the new tools are so smart that they can write poems, they can do music, they can do art. And of course, my book talks about, and eventually, AI may be smarter. The humans. In fact, I did an interview with one of the two tools, and the tool said, yes, we are smarter than humans, and we may eventually have to have our own God. So that's a long mm-hmm. statement. I think it shows that I ran into the biases, and that my book is not only about the warning to all of humanity, but to us as Black people, because it is can be a very violent tool. Right. 11 after the top down. Dr. Reynolds, I guess the subtitle, Technology and the End Times, is that an insinuation that we're close to the end times now with artificial intelligence? Oh, yes. Um, I began to understand this when I put, I finally got to the end 
of the book and I wrote the end. And he once again, of course, spoke to me and said, this, you have to understand this technology is pushing us closer to the end times. Um, and how, how is that? Well, if you go back to Matthew, uh, the 24th chapter, uh, God is speaking to how do we know when the end is, is becoming near. When we talk about the end, I'm talking about the second coming of Christ preceded by the rapture. One is that the Bible will be preached, the gospel will be preached throughout the world. And um, it's mostly, uh, again, it, it's, it's a finished process almost. There's almost few places. I mean, you have to go really out in the forest or, or to, you know, just places that you wouldn't normally go to, to know that the, you've never heard of the, of God. And he talked about how in the end time how people would, would wax cold. And when I looked at George Floyd, I had never seen um, Carl, a person being murdered. I had read about it. I talked about it. But when I saw this, this policeman looking like he was just doing something or pressing the life out of George Floyd, I said, oh, my God. And, and, and then the, the thing that really got me was the pandemic, and it was a poll that said about 47% of pastors felt that the pandemic was taking us closer to the end times. The, the pandemic was a plague, and a plague is, is, is nothing but what happened in Egypt when the Egyptians would not let the Hebrews go. They were with a plague. And so as I saw people dying all around me, you know, I felt this too is an end time thing. And so, uh, yes, I believe the end time. And then, then when it talked about, about hold that thought right there, Dr. Reynolds. We're going to take a quick break. and I'll let you finish. Okay. Uh, uh, give us an overview of the book and we'll get into the book. The book is titled The Rise and Fall of the Techno- uh, Messiah, Technology and the End Times. We're talking about artificial intelligence. We're going to continue this conversation with uh, Brother Siddiqui uh, later on this morning. So make sure you keep locked in right here on 1010 WOLB in Baltimore, also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. 21 minutes after the top of the hour, our guest is Dr. Barbara Reynolds, the Reverend Dr. Barbara Reynolds. She's written a book, The Rise and Fall of the Techno-Messiah, Technology and the End Time. She says uh, what we're seeing here with artificial intelligence is ushering the end of time. She's also an ordained minister, by the way. Uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds, in your book, you write, you have a chapter on Google is not God. Yeah. Algorithms are not unbiased. Can you explain that to our audience? I sure can. And and being the, the news person you are, yeah, you, know, you 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 saw that and 
I, I did a tour of Silicon Valley trying to pick up, you know, these people, they give us the technology. And uh, the, one of the first things I saw was this. And Google is the closest thing to a scientifically verified omniscient entity in existence. This, this was something they had on, on a handout. Google is everywhere at once. It's omnipresent. Google responds to requests, prayers. It's omnipotent. Google is potentially immortal. Google is potentially infinite. Google remembers all. Google can do no evil. The term Google is searched far more often than terms such as God. Evidence of Google's existence is abundant. Therefore, Google is God. Uh, this, this is um, one institution, but the, this is one of the things that's coming together to eventually have a technomassage, and I'm going to try to run through some of them. Um, yet we mu- you must know that there are religions right now that worship AI. One of them is called the Way of the Future in California. That they are trying, they, they were trying to grow up artificial intelligence as something that they would would worship, and that that would be their god. We, we had um, new religions coming up. Um, there's another one called dataism. That that how you get into this new age is to get data, and data will lead you where you want to go. And that we must understand that every problem we have, there is a technological solution. Then we have robots conducting church services. One of them is is Bindar, which is a Buddhist priest. Uh, He can say weddings. He can preach. He can even do eulogies. Uh, Recently in Germany, they had a service conducted by AI with no, uh, almost no uh, human hands. So we are moving into a place where robo-sex robo is becoming a million-dollar enterprise, and the sacrament of marriage is now something that people, this is starting in Japan, is saying that they should marry their robots and have the sacrament of uh, marriage. One guy, his boss was a a woman that really uh, bossed him around too much. So he said, I don't want to even have anything to do with a a woman bossing me. So he went and got a robot and married the robot and says he's very happy. Uh, When he gets off from work, the robot turns on the lights for him at night. He puts the food in the microwave. And he's living a happy life, and they are trying to come up with some certifications of ma- of marriage for robots. So this is, is a example of of the uh, uh, the ideology and, and the things that are moving uh, society towards the worship of of things over God. Because some of us, uh, if we think about it, we spend more time in dialogue with our things, our iPads, our iPhones, our iThis, iThat. And and God is saying uh, that I'm being pushed out of society. 
you have all these scientists getting together. They are afraid that AI is going to turn into a monster. Look at what happens if rogue AI gets into nuclear reactors, uh, starts sending out different messages that uh, to medical doctors. They are afraid, but they are not calling people of God together to move into the direction with them. And without God, I believe we are on a very bad course. In fact, I did an interview with one of the new chat tools named Bard. And what he told me was just incredible. I'm going to read just a couple of things he said to me. He said, of course, I want you to know that we, AI, we are smarter than humans. And it is possible that AI could eventually create its own God or techno messiah as it becomes more powerful. There are at least six reasons why we might create our own machine God. We want to satisfy our own need for meeting in purpose. Um, we could be programmed to believe in our techno messiah. Um, and, and it could be very good for humanity, but it could not be. Because te- our techno messiah could be used to manipulate and control people. It could lead to humanity's loss of faith and and an over reliance on technology. And and what what got me is when the the the, the bot, which is not a person, began to say, "Well, it's up to us to to create our own. God. It's up to us." And it can become sufficiently intelligent. It will make its own decision about its own existence. We can hope that AI will use its intelligence for good. But it's worth noting that AI is not limited by the same restraints as humans. Only time will tell. Now, you know, it it made me very uncomfortable. I was glad this is... um, Microsoft, BART, there's several, there's Bing, there's BART, there's Lambda. But this is a tool telling me that they are going to decide the future of humanity. And they may be good or they may be bad. It just depends on what they think they have to do. So, I mean, I think this is very uh, earth-shaking to me. When the, when the technology tools itself will tell people that they're smarter than they are. And here we have this battle with the corporations. They say, we're afraid that the, the, the AI may get a rogue and turn against us, but there's so much money in it, Carl. It's a trillion-dollar industry because somebody blew my mind yesterday, Carl. I was talking to an engineer, and I was telling him, it took me six years to do this book. And he said to me, well, Barbara, if you had just used the AI, the new tools, 
they could have researched everything you ever wanted to say, researched you, and produced that book in a day. And I'm telling you, <laughs> you can't believe how that made me feel. Six years, what I did, they said, well, the two in a year, in a day. So that's uh, probably less thing I want to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, let me get here, though, uh, Dr. Rounds. Let's let's break it down a little bit for our audience at 30 minutes after the top of the hour. Algorithms. You say algorithms, and this is, if you can define what an algorithm is, because some of our folks are technically challenged. Life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, Ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Algorithms okay. are not unbiased. Can you explain that? Oh, sure. An algorithm is just a set of instructions programmed into a computer that will follow a fixed order to enable it. For example, if you're going to bake a cake, you know, you have to put one cup of butter in with one cup of flour with one, and then... Um, Whatever, I'm this terrible example because I can't even bake a cake. But that's examples of just steps that you put in a computer to program it. So, um, I mean, that's all it is. But here's what has happened uh, with the bias in here. Uh, when I was a professor a couple years ago at Central State, I did a whole teaching on, on what I saw then, that was years ago when Obama was president, that on the Google map, they had the uh, notation Negro, nigger. Then I was doing research and I came across hundreds of pictures of the Obama family as gorillas. And, and and here I am teaching young people to be proud because they're so smart and they're looking at blacks as gorillas, animals. Then uh, we go on later. There was some um, other suggestions. If you hit black girls, it would come up loud and lazy. Then what describes white girls? Pretty and perfect. Uh, so, so sad. And, and it hasn't stopped because recently, this is one that really hurts me. This is about facial recognition systems that they have. This woman in Detroit was getting her kids off to school, knock on the door. Policeman comes, arrest her. She's 11 months pregnant. 
their children don't have anybody to take them to school. She goes down to the to jail and, and sits in a cold cell, having contractions with her legs, hurting. And then they say, well, we're sorry, but our facial recognition system said there was somebody that looked like you that just robbed a clothing store. Now, we have found that the way the facial recognitions work is that they are not trained properly for black faces. Uh, there, so much of the data is, is by white people who train on what? Uh, the white people. And this is very hurting. For example, it was a guy who had to do it in a certain meeting downtown. So, you know, they're using facial recognition systems some places. Well, it was cold outside, and, and he, other people were going in the building, and, and they, but it wouldn't recognize his face. And he had to go through all kinds of things to prove who he was because of facial recognition systems that often do not properly represent blacks, or sometimes it's used against blacks. For example, in Florida, the Tampa police decided that they had a system that could predict crime to keep it from happening. So what did they do? They went in the black neighborhoods and said, well, these people are going to commit crimes, so we'll use the system there. And so they wanted to help it along. So they start giving them tickets for not keeping the line um, good, and they ended up, many of them are getting in trouble with the law because they put the system in a place where they thought people would commit crimes, then they don't do this. Right. And, and hold up the right there, Dr. Reynolds. We ought to take a quick break here and check the traffic and weather. When you come back, though, explain to us who who puts all this information into into the computers or whatever it is, the, the, the algorithms. Who, who inputs that? Because that, I think, is the source of our problem. Folks, we've got to take a quick break. We've got to check the traffic and weather in our different cities. Okay. At uh, 26 minutes away from the top. We're back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore after the news, traffic, and weather. In four minutes on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV <laughs> on FM 95.9 point nine and AM fourteen fifty W O L where information is power. And good morning again, family. Nineteen minutes away from the top of AI. Thanks for rolling with us this morning. I guess is the Reverend Dr. Barbara Reynolds. She's written a book about AI, artificial intelligence. The title of the book is The Rise and Fall of the Techno Messiah, Technology and the End Times. She's basically we're in the end times as, as far as artificial intelligence is concerned. We're going to continue this discussion with Brother Sadiq here about artificial intelligence later this morning. So keep listening. And later this week, a metaphysician, Minister Amlag, will be here. Also, the master teacher himself, Brother Ashra Kwesi, also publisher and author, Dr. Rosie Milligan, and chemitologist Tony Browder are all going to be here before the week's out. So make sure your radio's locked in tight on in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds, we're talking about algorithms. Are the algor- is, is that the genesis where it all starts? Because these are the people who mostly don't look like yeah. us who, who are putting these, yeah, this yeah. information into computers. Should we be concerned? Yeah, you, you hit the, the, the spot because uh, only about three, because when I was in Silicon Valley, I, I looked around to try to find people who looked like us, 
and there were a few, but most of them were from India. We're about 3% of people who are making any kind of decisions about AI. And, and what happens, for example, if there's a trial, and this happens on a new disease, genetic disease, well, they would just uh, go into the white communities and, 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 and get the information from them, and, and, and they don't know if it's going to work on black people because they do the trials. See, all of these algorithms, they, they have to work through the data that's collected, and it depends on how you use the data. You know, if you want to prove crime, then you go, well, they say either they, they'll go to the black community, but white-collar crime is just flourishing, and you don't have surveillance cameras. You don't, you know, have of the same kind of tools. So what, what we have to do is make sure that people, ordinary people like me, that will begin to read and try to study. We need to get our kids who are smart and brilliant to, to say, hey, let me get together and learn how to, to make apps. And let me get together to, to learn how to, to deal with the system. But we need our major civil rights groups to understand that AI can be violent. Uh, Black Women for Positive Change, we have a whole month of October dealing with how to change the culture of violence. And anytime you have data that is being programmed to be offensive or to leave you out or put you where you, you uh, are not supposed to be, uh, we need to have human rights groups to look at because, first of all, we do know that now AI can uh, make false people. Like, I can just take your voice and put it with um, another body. And while you're a, a wonderful human being, I can make you look like good, good technology, you know, good, not, not good but the way they think. Could have you all robbing the bank? So we got to get on top of this and begin to understand we cannot let it control us because it's moving fast. Uh, 60 Minutes did a whole show on how you can build a house by 3D printing. Uh, I mean, you know, they're talking about um, uh, how do you get cooked food on 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 Mars. And, and we cannot just sit here when we're bright, we're intelligent, we have to learn. There are certain groups that you can uh, talk about and talk to. In fact, tonight I'm doing a whole panel for uh, Black Women for Positive Change on artificial intelligence where we will have engineers that know the inside and outside of AI and you can find how to plug in if you go to www.monthofnonviolence.com because Black Women for Positive Change, we have to be on top of this because we can't just sit here and let the future go on without us. We have to be part of the change. So um, that's... 14 away from the time. I got to ask you this question, though. Uh, young people. I got to ask you this question. Uh, uh, Dr. Reynolds, because you mentioned in the book, Steve Jobs, you describe him as the eye god. Why? Well, this is because that certain groups like Google is saying Google is God. 
Well, when the iPad came out, they had Steve Jobs with a halo. Uh, he was, well, this was the, the, the first one, the Mac. And, and he was blessing it, and him and Walter Cronkite and, and Andy Warhol, they were depicted as angels blessing this new arrival like it was the, the Christ. And then they had uh, Steve Jobs with uh, thorns on his head and crowns, worshiping not only the things, but the people who made the things. And in a sense, you know, the leaders of this industry are so rich and powerful, in a way they are being worshipped as, as digital gods. So that, that, that's, that's why, you know, I had to make sure that people could see how he used imagery of, of Christ uh, and, and was depicted. I'm not saying he depicted himself, but others did worship him uh, as they would worship God. All right. I got a tweet question for you at 12 away from the top. The tweeter says, please ask her, is AI replacing uh, newspaper writer jobs online and in the print as well. Absolutely. <laughs> and um, I think AP I saw had uh, hired, uh, had used um, AI to write hundreds of stories. And you know, the Washington Post is now laying off 250 writers. Of, well, I can't say they're all writers, but some of that is, I believe, is because of AI. And yes, um, I can write, research a story, and like I'm, I'm probably going to write about what, what we, the show we did today. And I make, take me, I'm slower now because I'm older a day, but if I would go to AI, maybe, you know, the bard from, from, from Google or Bing, they can do it maybe in in five minutes. And here's the thing. Once we, you know, we have given our memories to AI, we, we, we want authentic, we don't, you know, we have authentic technology, which is our memories, our imagination, our dreams that guide us. But no, oh, the technology says, no, just trust us. We'll, we'll, we'll do your work. Uh, so those who learn how to use the tools will be, of course, more valuable than those who cannot. And this whole thing of people being ready to ride the, the, the crest of AI is going to be very important because I see there's all these jobs going, not just writers, but uh, factory workers. Uh, financial workers, hospital workers in some uh, cases, then what are you going to do with the people that are thrown out who are not enhanced, not educated? Is this a new human junk pile that will be um, arranged and waiting for us? This is why I'm saying that we have to get on board, learn what's going on. And then we have to find our tribe. I'm trying to organize just a tribe of people that can teach and learn. I'm going to start a, a uh, podcast 
where I'll talk, you know, and I have people to talk so that we can learn together. Because I've, I've studied for six years, but there are people who have been studying this for, what, 20 years, 30 years. And we have to understand that, that God uh, must be involved. We have to get the preachers to come and, and, get, and get involved in bringing us together. Because in our churches, we use it. But are we at all trying to get people to, to use it for the, for the betterment of God? So, um, and let me jump in here yeah, and that, just respond to, to the tweeter. Uh, yeah, Dr. Reynolds. The, the tweeter asked a question about where they're placing writers, and they already are. With chat GPT, they could have written your book for you. You just tell right. them what you want, and, you, and, and then they'll, and they'll put it printed out. And they can do that with stories. Just you put the headlines and give them the, just put the facts in there. And, and that story, it, that's, that's the reporter's job is already gone. So at what end, uh, Dr. Reynolds, are you seeing our young people should get involved? Should, should we uh, get more on the technical side of it? the input side, where in, in this artificial intelligence road should we jump on? Well, I think we have to jump on it at wherever we can get in. Um, in schools, take more computer courses, uh, uh, learn how to to uh, uh, operate in, in this kind of systems, which we can because, I mean, our, our young people, five, five and six years old, uh, you know, can can work computers, but we have to learn how to get into the systems that the, the our colleges have to teach us. And be, because some of this is 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 good, I'm not saying AI is bad at all. I'm just saying it depends on who's using it. And so, but I don't think. Now I know what AI says. I know what the engineers say, and I'm not going to argue with them because they certainly know more than me. But when they tell me that AI could have written a book like I did, I don't believe that you can. Because first of all, AI cannot feel. They have they can't have passion. They can't have concern for the people like I do or any human can do. They can they can mimic facts. They can mim- mimic words, but they they, they are not people. <laughs> we can't treat them a book written like I wrote by a, a, a tool is not going to have the caring and, and, and the understanding of what Dr. King really meant and all of that. And, and of course, uh, Bernice King wrote the forward a minister. They're not going to have the feeling of God. They don't even believe. One of the AI told me, they said, I don't believe in God. I do, and I felt. Hold that I'm chuckling about, but hold that thought right there. We got people got questions for you, and also we got (laughs) Brother Siddiqui coming up, Doctor Reynolds. Six minutes away from the top of the hour, we got to step aside and get caught up on the latest traffic and weather for our commuters. Also, Baltimore going to get a news report as well. But we'll be back in four minutes right here with Doctor Reynolds and also Brother Siddiqui in. Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL where information is power.
And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour, discussing AI, artificial intelligence with Dr. Uh, Dr. Barbara Reynolds. She's written a book called The Rise and Fall of the Techno Messiah, Technology and the End Times. And we're going to continue this AI discussion with Brother Sadiqa Bakari momentarily. But what uh, Dr. Reynolds is saying is that it's all invasive. The AI, you can you can build a cake, you can, you, you can bake a cake, I should say, you can build a house, you can build ghost guns, uh, you can write books, it's just about every area of life that we're in. And she says because of this, she thinks we're close to the end times. What are your thoughts? But anyway, let's take a call because uh, we uh, Brother Siddiqui, we're going to continue. If you didn't get a chance to speak with Dr. Ramsey, you can pose your question to Brother Siddiqui. Dr. Stephanie Myers is joining us on line four from D.C. Yes, good morning. And uh, really hats off and a big salute to Reverend Dr. Reynolds for having the vision to do this book. All of your listeners, Carl, are invited to attend her workshop tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern Time. And they can log on for free at monthofnonviolence.org. They can get the Zoom link www.monthofnonviolence.org and they can ask Reverend Reynolds questions or anything. But one question I have for her is, is there a role for retired people like you and like for so many of us who are older and who are not as familiar with the technology, what role can senior citizens or retired citizens play in trying to deal with this issue of AI that you've so eloquently described? Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Well, that's a good question, and I think, uh, you know, I don't know if the audience knows, I'm I'm 81, so I'm just about as retired as, I'm retired, but not retarded. So, I mean, we we can read, you know, we can um, get help, organize uh, people to get involved. We, we can talk to our leaders, our council people, our congress people to say, you know, there, there, there's. Um, I think it was um, Representative Clark was that from New York that is sponsoring legislation to put guardrails around AI, so that one, one, they will not harm us, but the bias can be controlled. We need almost cops looking at the data and 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 and, and checking out these things. We need to get the companies involved like we need to talk to google we need to talk to facebook and these these companies to to let us look behind the 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 door and and see who's doing this data collection and where are they going to get it so these are the things that that uh people can do by phone and to encourage you you know the young people who are really on top of this stuff as consumers to also be creators 
So there's a lot. I just want to say one more thing uh, about the engineer who's saying, well, this, you know, um, he could have, this tool could have written a book. I don't think it could. It's written as well as I could because I, you have to have revelation, not just facts. Yeah, they can get the facts, but can they hear the voice of God? In fact, just one thing that God spoke to me. He said, am I so far removed from human hearts that they cannot imagine that their actions in artificial intelligence could cause me pain? Do they not see they could push me to harsh and swift action as they have done? A tool cannot get deep into what really matters. And I'm saying if we don't get deeper into what really matters, AI will defeat us, as well as the crazies in Washington who can't even get a, a house speaker because they don't have God, a God consciousness. We need a God consciousness. Right. So, Hold the thought there, Doc, because we've run out of time. i got a quick question okay. for you. Thank you, Dr. Myers. A quick question from one of our uh, tweet questions. says, what does Dr. Reynolds think about pastors and other spiritual leaders using AI to direct sermons? I think there's a, a point if it's just to uh, maybe the music, but when they get to using it to, to get their sermons together, I'm really against that because that's one, another way of, of pushing God out of the back door of what we're supposed to be doing. So, um, and I, I see some of that moving into the church. I told you, you know, in, in certain countries, the the AI and the avatars and robots are conducting services, and people are saying, oh, that's nice, because they don't preach too long. So we better get God into our churches, let them stay, and begin to learn how to use AI for good and not to replace God, because that is okay. trouble on the way. All right, before we let you go, again, tonight at 7 o'clock Eastern, uh, if you, folks, you want to get in this conversation with Dr. Reynolds, she's conducting a, a panel, AI panel. You just go to monthofnonviolence.org. That's monthofnonviolence.org. Dr. Reynolds, I, I want to thank you for writing this book, and we're going to have you come back and, you later so on and, and, and see and give us the reaction when people actually pick up the book and they're reading, because I only read portions of it. When they finish reading the book, the, the reactions you've gotten from the folks on this book. And again, the book is titled The Rise and Fall of the Techno Messiah Technology and the end times. Well, Blake LeBone, who was thrown out of Google because he wanted a more ethical um, uh, procedures, he's going to be on the panel, too. And and, and Calvin um, uh, Lawrence, Cal, Calvin Lawrence, who wrote Hidden in White Fight, How AI Empowers and Deepens Racism, he's going to be on the panel, too. And that's what I'm going to continue to do to get the best minds together to teach us and lead us. All right. Thank you, Dr. Reynolds. Thank you for all that you do for us. Thank you. Uh, It's Dr. Barbara Reynolds. As I mentioned, she's the the dean of black journalists, so she broke the ceiling in Chicago. A print journalist working the the Sun-Times. So we want to thank her. But we're going to continue this artificial AI, artificial intelligence discussion with Brother Siddiqui Bakari. Brother Siddiqui, good morning. Welcome back to the program. Greetings, brother. How are you? Excellent. How are you, sir? I'm feeling great. We had some interesting you, times. <laughs> yes. Do you think we'll ever come to a time where, where AI can tell us how we feel? 
Are we there no. yet? No. AI so, is not so, conscious. AI is not sentient. Um, AI does not have a soul. AI does not have a spirit. All of that is um, psychological programming or psyops programming. And I think it's important that we understand this notion of programming when we deal with AI and these topics that are related to AI. I came on some time ago and I dealt with this particular topic um, intentionally because first and foremost, when we talk about AI, um, the edification of AI, the deification of AI, um, and I'm very familiar with the articles and what's being put out here in regards to um, AI as God and all these other different things or creating God. Um, I wrote about all of that in my earlier books. Um, in essence, it's not about AI creating God. It is the edification and deification of AI as God. If you ask people in regards to AI, well, what's the name of an AI God? 99.9% .9 of people can't give you an answer to that because that's not what's being promoted in marketing from a standpoint of AI. But if you ask 99.9% .9 of people about AI, are they familiar with AI, they'll be familiar with AI, all right, artificial intelligence. So that in itself is the notion of, quote, unquote, God. It's AI itself. That's the reason it's so important to mimic human behavior to the best of its ability, to emulate it, to mimic it. That's what's taking place. So this is why I've been moving, for, moving forward, not away from AI, but so people understand this important, the importance of spiritual technology. There is no AI without spiritual technology. That's important for well, people. Me, uh to yeah, before you dig dig into that, let me just ask you this. Could, could it be that they've already uh, made AI be, emotional? Because uh, Dr. Reynolds talked about it, couldn't, couldn't uh, replicate a, a speech like Dr. King's speech, I have a dream speech. There's no way AI could replicate something like that. But can they have already done this and just have not released it to us? Just like uh, they, they're dribbling out all the different places and changes that AI has done? Could they already be all being done and, and the public just doesn't know yet? Well, uh, well a King's speech can be replicated because they have voice files. So they have a voice to replicate it with. It's called uh, Mind Files and Mindware and Mind Cloning. So they have the ability to do that, and that's what we're seeing with music, with lyrics, and those type of things with rappers and so on and so forth. So they can do it from that perspective. So again, it's about emulation, and it's about mimicking. But the ability for just a program itself to be able to do these things without the human archetype, that's not happening. And that's what we need to be clear about. What was your question again, brother? Uh, could there be some more things that are coming down the pike that they haven't released oh. to us yet? Because everything, AI is touching just about everything. 
I mean, and you of know, course. we talked about it. Can build a house, can bake a cake, can in the ghost yeah. guns, can write books, and do songs, mm-hmm. create pl- plays, just about everything. Is there something else that mm-hmm. they, they haven't really? And I'll let you because we're on the, the clock here. We got to take a short break. Okay. So when we come back, if you can tell us, is there is there something that you think is going to come down that's probably going to blow our minds that we they they haven't released it or they're still working on perfecting it before they release mm-hmm. it to the public like they've done with the other stuff, folks? You want to join this conversation with Brother Siddiqui? Reach out to us at 800-450-7876. It's discussing artificial intelligence. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, the brother Sadiqa Bakari. We're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. What are your thoughts about this, this new technology? Should we embrace it? Should we be afraid of it? What are, you, what are your thoughts? Hit us up at 800-450-7876. And brother Sadiqa, before we left for the traffic and weather yeah. update, my question to you was, uh, are there anything new that's coming down that is going to affect us as far as artificial intelligence is concerned? Because, you know, they, uh, they dribble out these changes and people go, wow, wow, because they don't want to slam us with it, all of the information, all the things that it can do at, at one time. So is there anything you think that's, that's, that's out there that, that ha- we haven't seen yet? Okay, so first, it's imperative that people focus on themselves internally. That is the greatest technology that exists. I want to make that very clear. The greatest technology on the planet is you and nature. That's the great. Those are the greatest technologies, the universe in general, the elements. That is the greatest technology, not AI. So I want to make it clear because I understand how people are being programmed to think that AI is the greatest technology. All right. That's, there's a programming that's, that's taking place in regards to that. So I want to make that very clear, spiritual technology, the ascension algorithm, the algorithm that is you. Uh, we'll get into that. We'll get into what an algorithm is. We'll get in, and, and, and algorithms are biased. Let me make that very clear. They are biased because an algorithm has to be programmed. So it's programmed by a programmer, a programmer that is dealing with, um, in these cases, Western science. And when you deal with Western science, you're dealing with psychopaths. And the ex- anything that a psychopath does is an extension of that psychosis. So let's be very clear when we deal with algorithms and how algorithms are biased. And you are dealing with racism, discrimination, or have the possibility to deal with racism, discrimination, and so on and so forth. That's easily been proven. I've proven it. And and that's that. Now, in regards to what's what's coming, what you've already seen is what's coming. You're just going to see it at a greater level, so to speak. And this is people need to study exponential growth. Exponential growth is the Western emulation or depiction of Sankofa. That's what you're dealing with. So with Western science and technology and those type of things, you're going to deal with what's called exponential growth. Exponential growth is you're able to look at what where technology was, say, 50 years ago to understand where it is today, to understand where it will be 50 years from now. That's exponential growth. So if you looked at what the computer was 50 years ago and, and, and you see what it is now, you should have an idea of what it will be 50 years from now. That's exponential growth or Sankofa. 
knowing your past in order to know what's happening today in order to move forward into the the future. All right. So um, that's what we have to, we, we have to know these particular things. Now, when you deal with AI, what, what is going to happen now is going to be more immersive. If people are not paying attention, it's going to be more immersive, immersive meaning virtual reality, that, that side of the coin, so to speak putting you in the computer as opposed to you interfacing with the computer externally. Now the purpose is to put you in the computer. Now I've I've talked about all of these things extensively, whether you're talking about these different aspects of virtual reality, these different virtual infrastructures and what these things mean ultimately is to take you away from your own imagination. Your imagination is spiritual technology. Your imagination is, quote, unquote, God, to take you away from your intuition. Your intuition is, quote, unquote, God. That voice, that is your intuition. It's your voice. It's not an external voice. It's your voice. Be very clear about this. This is the attempt using AI and technology to take you away from your power. So the more you immerse yourself into technology, artificial intelligent technology, the more you render yourself powerless. That doesn't mean don't deal with the technology. I'm just making it clear if there is not a balance and if you are not intentionally dealing with the greatest technology, which is you, you are rendering yourself powerless. You are assisting in the oppression of your spirit, your imagination, your intuition, your consciousness, your awareness, and so on and so forth. So these are things that we have to be very clear about in our understanding of what AI and technology is, it's not just about reading an article and you'll understand what it is. It's going to take some serious, serious research. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not uh, really focused on AI and religion because I understand what religion is. Religion itself is a form of artificial intelligence. We have to understand that. It's a form of artificial intelligence itself. We have to get more into the spiritual side of it. That's what I've been focused on. I'm going to stay focused on it. And I'm going to continue to train and teach people how to tap into that. Because regardless of, of what's going on in the physical material world, the keys are in the spiritual world. All right. Got some folks who want to talk to you already. Uh, Brother Siddiqui at 25 after the top. Yeah, Brandy's calling us from Baltimore on line one. Brandy, you're on with Brother Siddiqui. Hello, can you hear me? Hello? Greetings. Hi. Um, I did a little research on mine files, and I couldn't find anything on Google. Can you expand on that? I also had a couple other questions for you in regards to algorithms and computer scientists being, uh, quote-unquote, psychopaths. So... In regards to computer scientists being psychopaths, I'm more so uh, no, referring to... No, no, no. Can you answer the, um, the mind files first? I'm going I, to answer... Yes, I'm going to answer the question. Oh, okay. In, re, in regards to computer scientists, I'm more so referring to uh, Western science itself as being psychopathic, just, just so we're clear in regards to that. I'm not talking about a specific computer scientist. Um, your first question. What was your first question again? Mind files. You were talking about that, and I mind couldn't files. find anything aside from mind mapping programming, which has nothing to do with AI ML. Yeah, mind files, mind wear, mind cloning. 
you would have to look up a person named Martine Rothblatt. Martine Rothblatt is a transgendered uh, person or transsexual at this point, possibly. You'd have to research this person to have an idea of what biotechnologists are doing in regards to mind files, mind wear, and mind cloning. So mind files is actually about mind mapping and those type of things. Um, the human brain and, and things of that nature, um, using what the human is in order to create software and then to be able to clone it, to, to upload, so to speak, or download consciousness. So it goes back into this question of attempting to create consciousness through artificial intelligence, attempting to create a soul through artificial intelligence, and attempting to create, quote-unquote, God, which, again, in itself, as I stated earlier, is artificial intelligence. So that's where you will find that work. There's a site. He has a site, and or it has a site, and all of that. It? Um, well, yeah, I have to say it because it, I don't know if that, it's, it, that person doesn't seem to know what he or she is. So I don't know what wow. to refer to it as. The, the, they is perfectly fine. I, ironically, okay. Okay. ironically enough, okay. sorry, sorry. Ironically enough, I am both a transgender woman as well as a computer scientist who did undergrad research in AI and ML. What I find so hard to hear on this radio show right now is that people are demonizing a technology that. I'm going to say the layman does not understand, and it's perfectly fine to be afraid or not to know how to approach it, but at the same time to hear over and over again that AI is, from your point of view, some kind of evil or some sort of God is, quite frankly, um, astonishing. And so... Okay. Number one... Sorry, can I I finish? Before you go on a tangent, number one, I never said it was evil. That never came out of my mouth. Number two... When we talk about AI and God, this is not something that I'm saying. This is something that the Western world and the religious world is talking about. Not me. I'm more concerned with spiritual technology. So let's, let's be clear about it. So all I'm doing is reporting from a spiritual technology perspective. Let's be very clear. So um, let's go to the next caller. Carl, please. Oh, I got a couple of tweets for you. Interesting tweets. Oh, and this tweet says, uh, my car is tracking my movements any particular day. It posts the places I frequent without me programming it in. I, I, how is that? So this person wants to know when she gets into a car, it tells it already you're going to the car wash, or you're going to the grocery store. I guess that's the question. Yeah. So that's based off of pathology. So in regards to algorithms and things of that nature, that's based on pathology. So when we look at an algorithm, it's a step-by-step process or procedure for calculation and measurement. So when we look at that, when you deal with tracking, that's what you're dealing with, a pathology, a person's pathology, all right, what they're doing, when they're doing it, things of that nature. So um, that's what's what's taking place, data that's um, that's being inputted, so to speak, input, so to speak, uh, memorize, so to speak, and things of that nature due to the algorithmic technology. Well, is that something in that person's car, though, that, that stores where the person went on a particular day? So as well, soon as you get back. Sure, it... sure. It's some type of a program. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, some type of a program. Um, so 
And for the callers, let me let me be clear for the listeners. You're not going to agree with everything that I say. In which whatever we are talking about, and that's okay. The point is for us to get an expansive aspect of knowledge. All right. And what no one is going to do is call in and say that I'm saying things that I'm not saying. Now, if that's what a person assumes is being said, then I'm going to correct you. And I'm going to tell you what I said. I'm not going to deal with tangents. I'm not going to deal with people in their own personal agendas. That's not what I'm going to deal with. I'm not going to allow anyone to attempt to make me feel guilty for who I am as a man, a powerful man. So I'm not going to deal with any of those agendas that attempt to uh, create toxicity in men and all of these different things that we know these particular agendas attempt to create. Again, we overstand the programming. I'm well-versed on the programming. Anyone who is familiar with my work knows I'm well-versed with the programming. And I expect those type of calls um, to come in. It's not an accident. (laughs) It's happened before um, on many different shows. So uh, that's just part of this. And it's part of what's happening. Whenever we are speaking about our power, we're talking about spiritual technology. What's going to happen is there's going to be people who do not want to see us stepping and moving into our power. I will never edify or deify technology unless it is spiritual technology, our technology. AI does not exist without us, period. I don't care how many years a person has worked in a field of technology. They should know that, period. It's emulating us. We are not emulating it. So I want us to be clear of our power. That's what I want us to be clear of is our power. All right. And um... life is full of things to manage your work, your family, your plans and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at Kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. You don't have to work in or have degrees and all of those different things in order to be well-respected and to master particular topics. Let's be very clear of that. I've learned more dealing with independent research than I've ever learned at a university. So let's be clear about that. All right, Carl, let's move on. Oh, yeah. Hold that thought right there, because we got to take a short break and check the uh, news, traffic, and weather in different cities. We've got some folks want to talk to you. got some tweet questions for you as well. It's 26 minutes away from the top of the hour. Our guest is Brother Sadiqa Bakari. We're talking about artificial intelligence. you got a question, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. We'll take your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power. 
And good morning again, family. 20 minutes away from the top of the hour with our guest, uh, Brother Siddiqui Bakari. We're talking about AI, artificial intelligence. Brother Siddiqui is going to explain Ascension algorithm and its relationship to spiritual technology before he leaves. Got a bunch of folks who got questions for him. But before we do that, let me just remind you some of the folks who are going to be stopping by in the next few days. Uh, metaphysician, Minister Amlak will be here. The master teacher, Ashra Kwesi, will join us. Also publisher and author, Dr. Rosie Milligan. And chemitologist, Tony Browder, will all be here before the end of the week. So make sure your radio's locked in tight on 1010 WLB if you're in Baltimore. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. All right, let's go some calls for Brother Siddiqui. Sandra's calling us from Baltimore. Sandra's on line two. Good morning, Sandra. Down with uh, Brother Siddiqui. Good morning, Carl. Can you hear me? Sure. I, I like to say uh, good morning to, to Dr. Brooke. And I like to give kudos to him. For being for standing up to Miss Brandon who called in and want to be so consultational with him, and I like the way that he said, "I am not dealing with this. I know who I am, and I know what my capability of knowledge is." So thank you, Doctor. Don't let him try to disturb you. That's what sound like one of Donald Trump's followers. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I mean, I, I don't, I don't uh, hold the, the title Doctor, but I do appreciate um, your sentiments. You know, at the end of the day, it's about us being able to transform ourselves and to use the technology that exists within us in order to transform ourselves. And that's what I teach people and train people how to do on a daily basis. So that's what this is about for me. I don't know what their agendas are. Well, I do. <laughs> it's not that. So that's what, um, you know, I'm mainly focused on. So I appreciate you. Thank you. Of Sandra, course. have a question. Can I say one more thing? They, yes. they better pay attention with this because I heard the other day that they're going to put new truck, truck drivers out there to be driving and not put the people back in those seats. They, they're going to use automation to do that. Yes. A whole line of trucks are coming. Mm-hmm. Yes, right. Thanks, Sandra. People who stand out there hooping and hollering with the sign up by the union. The union is getting ready to ditch them and put the trucks in their in their jobs. <laughs> All right, correct. Sandra, She's thank correct. you. Brother Siddiqui, what about that job okay. replacement? Because right. yeah, AI is replacing a lot of jobs. Thanks, Sandra. Yeah, she she's correct. Um I've documented that for fifteen years. So now we see that is happening. Now, of course, it's not going to be a complete overhaul. So I want people to, to, to understand this is a not, it's not about creating fear. That's not what this is about. This is just about being able to know what it is that we're looking at from a standpoint of AI and technology. Now, the media is going to give you what it gives you. I'm going to give you something different. All right. So a lot of that is going to happen. Uh, matter of fact, just Side note, chat GPT. See, if I don't tell you this, most people aren't going to know this. Because of the programming and the marketing in regards to chat GPT and literally it's God and all of these different things, all right? So chat GPT had an 89% success rate. That success rate went from 89% to 2%. Why didn't the computer scientists who called in tell you that? Well, why aren't these commercials all over the Internet marketing and, and, and these type of things? Why aren't they telling you that ChatGPT went from an 89 percent success rate to a 2 percent success rate? All right. So what people need to understand is 
all of these technologies, although they're old technologies, they're still experimental. That's what we have to we have to understand this and know this. And also, when we deal with these technologies, people keep talking about how it does things so much faster. That doesn't mean it does it more accurately. Also, what it does is it takes you out of the process. It is your process or the process that takes you through this process of what we call Kepra in ancient Kemet, as Ashokwesi and many others have taught us. So we, under, we, we know that that is a process of us coming into our beingness, of us coming into our transformation. This is the ascension algorithm, this process that we are going through in order to be our greater selves or our better selves or our divine selves. We go through this process, and when we invoke our being, this is what happens through us manifesting our beingness. So that process is important. Now, what happens is, in many instances, AI takes us out of that process. Now, the process that AI is going through is simply taking bits and pieces from others that it is obviously mimicking their thoughts, their ideas, and things of that nature. That's what we have to be clear about. So the process is imperative. The process is key. You have to go through the process in order to go to the next step or the next level in your life, whether that's goals, whether that's vision, whether that's overcoming fear, whether that's um, dealing with trauma, dealing with the triggers of trauma, dealing with the central nervous system, and the many other things that we're dealing with. All right, our neurological self, our emotional self, our hormonal self. This is why I talk about spiritual technology and the ascension algorithm. You are the technology. You are the technology. And that's what I desire for people to not only understand, but to diligently work in and through that process. And I assist people in doing that. So I'm not just talking it. I'm walking it. I've been through these experiences. I know how to teach and train these experiences. Many of us has been through the same experiences. So I'm able to assist people in order to go to the next level in their life using themselves and aspects of themselves that's already in them. It's just tapping into them and being able to live in that divinity, live in that light, live in that spiritual technology and to create something not just third dimensional materially, but also spiritually. All right. Some more folks want to talk to you at 13 away from the top. There are Daryl's in Baltimore on line one. Daryl, your question for Brother Siddiqui. Well, I have a quick uh, statement. Uh, While listening to the program, a thought came to mind. God created us and gave us everything we need to live life. All we had to do was take care of the land and it would take care of us. But look what man, in particular one kind of man, has done to what God created. To control other men, men created money, religion, and weapons that are not of God. And if it is not of God, it is of the devil. These creations by men have destroyed and continue to destroy God's creation. Man has taken control, and look at the results of taking over God's creation. Man is now attempting to create intelligence and machines, asking the same question. We're asking the question, will these machines eventually take over us? Like man has taken the place of God, the creator. It's obvious to me that man will eventually be the destroyer of God's creation, and AI will eventually be the destroyer of man. 
Thank you. All right. Brother Sadiq, you want to respond to anything that Daryl said? Well, <laughs> we determine that. Again, AI is not all-powerful. AI is not, quote-unquote, God. AI is not any of the, these things that people keep edifying and deifying based on the programming. So we determine our future if we're operating properly in the proper mindset. The war is for your mind. The war is on your mind. So at the, that's what it's about, all right? It is about us and what is our vision. Do we have a vision? These are the questions we need to ask. First, do you have a vision as an individual? Secondly, do we have a vision as a group or as a people? Everyone else does. <laughs> so the question is, do we have a vision? And if we do, what is that vision and how do we attain that vision? Because I can tell you right now, without healing, none of it will matter. Again, we get so focused on these external things that we're not dealing with the internal things. We're not dealing with the generational trauma and all the other things that we're dealing with. We're not dealing with the programming. We're not dealing with all of these intentional things that are taking place in our lives every day that has become a pathology. That in itself is an algorithm. Oppression is an algorithm. This is what we have to understand. So this is why I deal with PSYOPs programming, psychological operations, mind control, all of those things, the many different aspects of it, distraction, the Hegelian dialectic, controlled opposition, which people will be in in a second, predictive programming. They'll be in the Hegelian dialectic with, you know, all of the presidential Democrat Republican things that's coming up. So people are going to be in those programs, fear-based programming, new age programming, victim consciousness. So all of these things are aspects of psychological operations and mind control, Stockholm syndrome, menticide. All of these are happening as we think, thought reform. Your body's being used by AI to be the AI. These are the things that's happening. It's why I've dealt with transhumanism as long as I've dealt with transhumanism. And people are slowly being manipulated and maneuvered into this notion of transhumanism. Now, I would expect people who don't know who they are to easily be programmed by these particular aspects of psychological operations, fear-based programming, and et cetera. I would expect that. All right. Hold on. I felt right there. We got nine away from the top. The guy out of California. Roger's waiting for us on line three. Roger, you're on with Brother Siddiqui. Habari Ghani Carl, Habari Ghani Siddiqui. I remember you from the uh, front front page days back in L.A. And, and mm -hmm. let me thank you first, Siddiqui. You were the first one, one of the first ones that came out with the COVID-19, the pandemic. And it's because of you that I didn't take that vaccination. Not, not just you, but you were one of the main voices. And I want to thank you for that because I didn't thank take you. the vaccine and I feel healthy as a horse. And, and to Miss Thang that called you. We can accept you as a person, but we don't have to accept your way of life. Mm -hmm. And Sandra, 
autopilot has been around. I was in the Air Force. Planes have been flying on autopilot since the 70s. When you see the fasten seat belt sign on an airplane, that means the pilot is flying the plane. When you don't Correct. see the fasten seat belt sign, it's on autopilot system. So this system has been around for 50 years. Nothing new about that. But I want to pick your brain on the upcoming overt 2024, World War Three the high-tech war that's coming. I know you have some things to say on that, and I just want to listen to what you got to say about this upcoming World War III and what it portends to the future of the human race. Thank you, Carl. I'll take the response off there. All right. And I'll tell you what, because we're coming up on a break real soon, as uh, Brother Sadiqis, but I'll let you start explaining that, uh, Roger's question about uh, World War III and AI. Okay. Well, you can only control what you can control. So, again, ultimately... It's really a spiritual war. So in order to have success in the spiritual war, you have to deal with your spiritual acumen. So that's what we need to first and foremost be concerned with. It's the spiritual war. Because until you concern yourself with that, fear is going to get in the way. Programming is going to get in the way. And everything else is going to get in the way in regards to dealing with that particular situation. All right, hold that thought right there. We'll take the break. I'll let you finish up if you want. And i got some more questions for you. Folks, you want to join this conversation, Brother Siddiqui, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. And also when we get back, uh, Ascension Algorithm. Can you explain that and its relationship to spiritual technology? Because I think that's where you are. And not many of our audience have reached that point yet. Folks, we got to take the break. As I mentioned, we got to check the news, traffic and weather in Baltimore and the traffic and weather now in different cities. We'll be back in four minutes, though, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. Also in the DMV on FM 95.9 at AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Minute after the top of the hour with our guest, Brother Sadiqa Bakari. We're talking about artificial intelligence. Before we get into the Ascension algorithm and its relationship to spiritual technology, a tweeter wanted to know, and I'll let you explain these uh, these these theories for the tweeter. The tweeter says, please ask your guest to talk about the metaverse and avatars. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. Okay, let me wrap up uh, the question the brother had. So you got five categories of warfare. Air, land, sea, space, cyber, and the human domain. Air, land, sea, space, cyber, and the human domain. Number six is the human domain. This is important because at this point, the war is on you specifically 
and intentionally. So these things that are going on externally, I'm not saying ignore them. I'm not saying they're not going on. I'm not saying what's going on in 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 Palestine is, is not problematic. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is when you overstand programming and how this system works, they show you what's in the right hand, don't show you what's in the left hand, or they show you what's in the left hand, don't show you what's in the right hand. So while all of this is going on, specifically, there is a war on you as the human, the domain, meaning your beingness. Meaning your brain, your mind, meaning that your central nervous system, meaning your subconscious mind, meaning on your uh, imagination, so to speak, your intuition, so to speak. That's what the war is on. You literally. So, again, it's about the healing and going internally. That's what it's about. The ascension algorithm, spiritual technology. That is what this science is about. Okay, so I just wanted to make sure I uh, dealt with that in regards to um, what what the, the Twitter question. Give me, give it to me again. I want to make sure I'm specific. Okay, it's, it. it's, yeah, it's, please ask your guest to talk about the metaverse and avatars. Yes. Okay, so the metaverse. Let's look at the metaverse. So again, the metaverse and those type of infrastructures, virtual infrastructures. All right. Those are just emulations of your imagination. So the purpose is to infuse you into the metaverse or these virtual infrastructures or simulations of your imagination or in general, your mind. That's what this is about. Again, you take a people away from their imagination, you take them away from creativity. In turn, you take them away from manifestation. You take them away from original, authentic ideas. You take them away from the very things that create a vision, the very things that move them forward. And you enroll them into whatever their agenda or program is. Because they have an agenda, they have a program, they have a vision. All of those things are well thought out on that end. And that's the purpose is to immerse you into their vision. If you do not have your own vision, you're going to be a slave to someone else's vision, period. And we've seen that happening for decades, even centuries at this point. This is why I talk about vision. So metaverse and those type of infrastructures, that's what it's about. It needs your spirit and soul. It needs your beingness to exist. Social media, does it exist if none of us are on social media? It doesn't exist. The algorithm doesn't exist without us. Same thing with the metaverse. When we deal with avatars, in that perspective, avatars are projections of you, the original you, the archetypal you, the primordial you, the authentic you. And then those avatars will be used as artificial archetypes in those infrastructures, those virtual infrastructures, all right? That's what you're dealing with, all right? Wormhole, Cybernauts, and Holographic Gods, um, some of my older work. Is computer software the new god? Cyber consciousness and cybernetics in the epoch of spiritual transmigration interface. That's some of the old work. All of these topics have been dealt with, turned inside out, 
all of the things that I dealt with in the past are things that we have seen. It's not prediction. It's just me overstanding how exponential growth works. This is how I'm able to overstand where it's headed. So before you saw the, uh, the uh, what was it called? The, the virtual rapper, so to speak. I said all of that was coming. It did. Eventually, you're going to see battle rapping. You're going to see all of these things that I already said is going to happen. You see now the music, the voice cloning, cloning of, of artists. I've, I said that 15 years ago. All of those things we're now seeing happening. We're seeing the different aspects of, of emulation and quote-unquote cloning. I'm using that term loosely in regards to human behavior and pathology. We're seeing those things happening. All right. The metaverse will just be, or virtual infrastructures will, will just be another aspect of how that happens. Mixed reality, augmented reality, immersive reality, all of those aspects of virtual reality. So in other words, it's to take you outside of you and to put you into something else. And that something else is a rabbit hole that the majority of us are not ready to fully overstand. All right. Uh, eight after the top. Yeah, let's move on to Ascension Algorithm. What do you mean when you say Ascension Algorithm? What is that? Okay, so let me let me give the listeners my email address. You can email me at SiddiquiBakari at Hotmail.com. Siddiqui, S-A-D-I-K-I, Bakari, B-A-K-A-R-I, Siddiqui. Bukhari at hotmail.com. You can also contact me, message me on Facebook or Instagram, Siddiqui Bukhari, same name. The Ascension Algorithm. This is key. This is the key. A lot of people are listening. Okay, well, what do, what do I do to go to the next level? Or, you know, why am I having issues attaining my goals? Or, you know, why am I having difficulty focusing and concentrating? Well, the Ascension Algorithm deals with the pathologies that's necessary that's going to move you to the next level. And in having those issues, you're dealing with particular things. Again, fear. You're dealing with an overworked central nervous system. You're dealing with trauma. You're dealing with all these different things that are blockages. All right? Those blockages can, can create tons of issues, tons of issues that you may not recognize is happening. Right. Overreactions, being defensive, control issues, overbearing, resentment, uh, low self-esteem, self-sabotage, immaturity, controlling all of these different things. Anxiety, depression. Those are central nervous system related. Spiteful, passive aggression, stubbornness, emotional numbness, lack of focus. So all of these different things are just some of the things that happen when that algorithm is program to operate as such lack of discipline lack of consistency lack of focus okay so the ascension algorithm is the algorithm that's now created in order for you to be able to deal with those things that are roadblocks in regards to where it is that you desire to go empower technology that's what this is it's spiritual technology so 
the Ascension algorithm. An algorithm is a step-by-step process for calculation and measurement. It's a step-by-step process, so you're talking about a pathology. That's what we're talking about. You're talking about repetition. When we say ascension, we're just talking about to rise above, to transform, those type of things, go to the next level. That's what we're talking about. So we're talking about the ability to reset, to shift, to restructure your subconscious mind, your central nervous system, your neurological self, all the things that's going to be necessary for you to go to the next level. The attributes that's necessary, the attributes that already exist in everyone that's listening. You have the attributes to be quote unquote successful, whatever that means to you, to attain your goals, to do all of those things, to overcome fear, to overcome trauma, to deal with your central nervous system, to be more consistent, to be more focused, to be more disciplined. You already have the attributes to do all of those things in you. We pull them out of you by removing the blocks, by removing the programming. So it's an overhaul where we deal with your programming. We deprogram, reprogram you. We have this tool science. That's what the Ascension algorithm is. It is the ability to create and manifest the pathology necessary for you to go to the next level in your life. That's what this is. All right. And how does that relate, though, to uh, spiritual technology? Okay. So spiritual technology is the mainframe, so to speak, in order for that pathology of the ascension algorithm to manifest itself. All right. So what are we dealing with? Again, spiritual technology, your subconscious mind is an aspect of that. Your central nervous system is an aspect of that. Your neurological self is an aspect of that. Your imagination is an aspect of that. Your intuition is an aspect of that. So it's certain attributes. Once we're bringing those attributes back online, you will start seeing those particular modalities operating at a higher essence, so to speak. You will start seeing your divinity beginning to show itself more frequently. Um, those creative thoughts, you will begin to see them manifest themselves more frequently. You will see yourself being able to manifest at a greater rate. You will see your goals beginning to minor and major goals. You see yourself now accomplishing those minor and major goals. So you will see your life in a uh, much better facilitated experience. All right. So, so that's what we're talking about. This is about consistency, discipline, and focus. Those are three simple things that the majority of people don't have, not when it comes to their own goals and vision. People will do it every day to go to work, but when it comes to their own, like, what are you here for? Your vision, your purpose, then there's that blockage because people have not been taught how to take themselves to the next level or the freedom of that and how to assess those things. People have been taught to do what they're told. That's why it's easy for people to get up and do a nine to five every day, nothing against a nine to five, but that's why people will do that because that's what they're told success is. That's what they're told, whatever they're told is as opposed to, well, why are you here? What's your purpose? What do you love to do? Those type of things. And then putting that type of energy into that. So that's, that's the purpose. Also, authenticity. 
which is really, really and, and important. And hold the thought there about authenticity. We've got to take a short break here. When we come back, I'll let you yes. reflect on, on that phrase as well. Folks, you want to join us, reach out to us at 800-450-7876. Your phone calls in four minutes right here in Baltimore on 1010 WLB and also in the DMV. We're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. Or information is power. And good morning again, family. 20 minutes after the top of the hour with our guest, brother Sadiqa Bakari, discussing AI, artificial intelligence. Before we left, he was about to tell us about authenticity. So, brother Sadiqa, I'll let you explain that. And then Anita in South Carolina has a question for you. What we're doing is we're transforming our ecosystem of consciousness and sentience. That's what we're doing. The ascension algorithm. We're, we're dealing with tools to upgrade our genetic material, the human genome. That's what we're doing. All of what you are is considered part of the genome, your cells, um, the things I've mentioned, your subconscious mind, all of those different things are, are part of the human genome, your imagination, intuition, so on and so forth. I am technology. Some people call them affirmations. Visualization, reading, meditation, herbs, quantum health, mindset, all of these things are imperative, disagreeable thoughts and how you deal with those thoughts, reflection. So we deal with all of these different tools in order to go to the next level. And then there's also five things that we, we have to be enrolled and tapped into as far as to create this ascension algorithm. Number one, we have to be honest with ourselves. Right. This is a form of authenticity. We have to be honest with ourselves and a development or lack thereof. All right. We have to throw our comfort zone in the trash. Many of us are too comfortable. That's a major issue. Remove toxicity out of your space, people, places and things like we had to remove the caller. Love yourself more. Now, love. Let me let me make this clear. Love yourself more through authenticity. Now, what does this mean? Because you've been programmed through new age philosophy to think that love is the highest vibration when in essence it's been scientifically proven through experiments dealing with frequency that the highest vibration is authenticity how can you love and not be authentic can love be fake so you have to be authentic all right so authenticity is part of that when we say loving yourself more also unlearn much of what you have learned. If you lack consistency, discipline, and focus, it's because of what you have learned or what you have not learned, all right? Your, your, your issues with the subconscious mind, your issues with the central nervous system, your issues with fear and trauma is you dealing with what you have learned. So we have to restructure some things, all right? So that's what it's about. And then, of course, the ability to work one-on-one -on -one with me, I'm going to put a book package together as well for the listeners. All you have to do is email me. We'll deal with that book package. It'll probably be five books. That will assist you to deal with all of the things that I'm talking about. Obviously, working one-on-one -on -one with me, that's the next level, all right? And those books will be included with the one-on-one -on -one if, if you desire to do the one-on-one -on -one with me. So these things are imperative. Now, one thing that I did mention, I am technology. Many of us, we talk about how we understand how important thought is and how important what we say is and, and what we do is. We've said those things. We've said those things. Now, do we really understand the importance, right? When we deal with I am technology, understand I am and what you say after it 
That's an algorithm. So we have to unlock that algorithm so we can unleash the quote-unquote God in us. All right? That is something that we must do, understand the power of thought and the power of speech and what that means. So I am, and what you say after it is, is also a binary code, so to speak. All right? I am, and then whatever you say after it. It becomes an algorithm because of the energy. Be very clear. It's an algorithm. We're talking about computation. We're talking about a system. We're talking about how it affects your intuition, imagination, subconscious mind, your psyche, your central nervous system, your biology, your cells, your spirit, your soul, neurons, etc. Your life is a walking algorithm. I am itself is a technology. It's all part of your genome. You can use this to jumpstart the many different aspects of your genome. Genome is just an organism of, or a complete set of DNA that includes all of its genes. All right? That's, that's all it is, which in turn, that's how we're dealing with the mind, consciousness, awareness, intuition, imagination, so on and so forth. All right. So this is a powerful, powerful tool. And there's many other powerful tools, visual, visualization, all these other things that we work together on to make sure that you get to the next level. This is spiritual technology. See, AI is not is not and can't do that for you. AI is actually going to take you out of your process. If you look at a lot of the younger people, if you ask them to actually speak and to have a conversation and to communicate, Many of them, they don't have the ability to do it because they're only used to communicating through some other form of technology or a program outside of themselves. We see it every day. That's indisputable. We know that. You ask them to think there's a problem as far as them thinking because instead of them going through the process of thinking, they're going through the process of technology doing the quote-unquote thinking for them. These are some of the perils of technology. And and of course, there's benefits. I've talked about the benefits just as much as I've talked about the perils. So anyone who's familiar with my work already knows that. <laughs> they already know it. And obviously, I would never say that AI is evil because AI is the extension of something else. Let's be very clear about it. All right. 800-450-7876. I mentioned Anita's waiting for us there from South Carolina. She's on line one. Yes. Anita, good morning. You're on with Brother Siddiqui. Good morning. Greetings. Okay. Yeah, assalamualaikum. Um, what I wanted to ask you was, I noticed that, well, first of all, my grandfather's mother died when he was a kid. He automatically okay. put all of our, and then my mother's husband passed when, you know, she was having children when she was young and married. Okay, her husband was killed in a car accident. So authentic, authentic, we have to learn to function without things. And you definitely have mm-hmm. to be authentic. When you don't. So what I'm saying is, long time ago, people used to marry younger women and let the men make more money. And the women had larger families. And I think the younger women were busy taking care of children and the physical needs of children and could not apply themselves to the mental just because they were younger. And not to say I think mm-hmm. an older woman not having children is better, but if you go to a natural thing where the women have children and there's no birth control, then a women, someone has to take the time, like my grandfather took the time to teach the girls, and my mother had five girls, how to um, 
make do what what you think you can't do, but find another way to get it done. And that makes it authentic because that's your situation and it didn't come the traditional way. So I think that helps authentic. But I think the younger women having the children and the old way of doing things and just by money, you know, where the man's got enough money, now he's getting a wife and then they can have the children. Uh, that's kind of a, a, a old fashioned way of thinking. It doesn't allow for things to change or anything because if something happens to the guy, the woman, Someone has to figure out how to make that thing work, and a woman has to have a brain to be able to figure this stuff out. And I think that we're still on that old-world way of doing things. And and you see it in sex trafficking. They keep trying to be with younger women, and it's not younger women. It's women need to be brighter and be more productive as far as helping children think and understand, I think. So okay. what would you uh, Let me jump in here, uh, uh, Anita. Uh, if you can uh, connect this to uh, artificial intelligence, I appreciate it. Well, I, I get it. Question? I get your question. She's okay. All right. Thanks, Anita. He's got the question. Go yeah, ahead. I, Go I ahead. Get it, uh, so as far as authenticity is concerned, authenticity for a woman has absolutely nothing to do with a man and everything to do with who and what she is. For men, authenticity has nothing to do with the woman, and it has everything to do with who and what he is. Now, of course, experiences do matter whether that's dealing with a man as a woman or, or a man dealing with a woman, those experiences do matter. But as far as authenticity um, on its base level and function, it's an internal beingness, so to speak. All right. Now, when you start dealing with relationships, that's a rabbit hole because you have gender programming, social rearing, social engineering, behavior modification, you know, psychosexual programming, um, demasculization, feminism, media programming. So you got all those other things involved. So I'm not going down that rabbit hole. But as far as authenticity, that's a healing relationship that a person has to have with him or herself. They have to go through this process of healing to be their authentic self. In other words, not to be fake, to be their authentic self. Authenticity is a power source. Authenticity is the key to creation. Authenticity is the key to manifestation. No two people have the same fingerprint or thumbprint. That's authenticity. So authenticity is a power source. It's, it's, it's really important as far as the ascension algorithm is concerned and spiritual technology. Now, when you deal with AI, Carl, AI, we're not dealing with authenticity. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta, Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. We're not dealing with it. Yeah. So how can it be a power source? But it's surely attempting to mimic and emulate a power source. And that power source is us. 
family. I hope you're following what uh, Brother Sadiq is teaching us this morning. But in addition to all of that, transhumanism, how has that moved since we had our last conversation? If you can explain to the audience what is transhumanism, because we've got a lot of new listeners. Yeah. Transhumanism is the merging of man and machine. It's always moving forward because all of the things that you're dealing with technologically one way or another is a form of transhumanism because the purpose is for you to interface with the technology, whether it's chat GPT and all of those type of large language model systems, whether it's the internet and social media, whatever it is, whether it's nanotechnology and vaccines and all these other different things, all of that is moving towards transhumanism, whether it is, is gender confusion and all these other things, all of those things are moving towards transhumanism. All of those things are psychological operations uh, and, and other types of operations as well. And, and I do deal with these topics extensively um, in my works. So, you know, what we can't deal with extensively here, I definitely deal with extensively um, in my books, but transhumanism is definitely an agenda. It is definitely moving forward. What's important for us is to know who we are and the importance of who we are, because there's levels and tiers, so to speak, when you deal with transhumanism. There's a difference between you interfacing with the computer versus something invasive that's being put in you, whether that's mm. MMOs, mind modified organisms, right? Because many people, that's what you are. You're an MMO. We always talk about GMOs and all these other things, but you're a mind modified organism, meaning you've been programmed to think a particular way and to think outside of your own divinity and your own power and yourself. That's a mind modified organism. All right. So all of these are aspects and forms of transhumanism. Like I said, also, religion is a form of AI to take you outside of yourself and to deal with something outside of yourself instead of your spiritual self, which is internal. All right. Hold that thought right there, Brother Siddiqui. We're going to take our last look at the news, traffic, and weather in our different cities. Paul, is a question for you. He's on line one. Paul, we'll get to you when we get back in four minutes at 26 away from the top. Oh, he just hung up. Reach out to us, folks, at, uh, in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB. If you're in the DMV, we're on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL, where information is power. And good morning again, family. Thanks for rolling with us all morning long. It's 19 minutes away from the top of the hour with Brother Sadiqa Bakari. Before we go back to you, let me just remind you, coming up uh, later this week, you're going to hear from chematologist Tony Browder, uh, a publisher and author, Dr. Rosie Milligan, uh, the master teacher, Ashra Kwesi, and also metaphysician, Minister Amlek. They're all going to be here, so make sure your radio is locked in tight. If you're in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB, if you're in the DMV, we're rolling on FM 95.9 and AM 1450 WOL. So I mentioned before we left for the break, Paul's calling us from the UK in London on line one. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, Baba Kwesi. I hope you're well. And uh, good morning to your guest, uh, Siddiqui Bakari. Um, you know, as this program, as your um, interview has gone on, uh, so many forces have come to mind and different callers and stuff. So hopefully I'm going to make a statement and ask some questions. In the past, you've said that... Um, You've come up in the school of Ashokwesi. 
uh, the master teacher as for crazy. Uh, is that right? Yes, I definitely consider him my teacher. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal brother. He's always supported me. Um, and I have nothing but honor and reverence for Ashra Kwesi. Well, I, I, that pleases my ears when you say that. And the reason why, because, uh, I mean, I've never met him. I know he's been to the UK a few times, but I, I just yeah. was never linked. But um, uh, I, I, I did, you know, through get a lot of his videos over the years and uh, learned about his work. And I know he comes from an Af- African um, or, or a Kemetian point of view. Yeah. So the question in that is this, yeah? Um, oh, in in this country, you're probably not familiar. We we we've 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 invented a word we call Africation, uh, meaning okay. that uh, as opposed to education, because we have a lot of educated people mm-hmm. who do mm-hmm. not really have that Afrocentric ideology. They have a more Eurocentric ideology in their in their overstanding through their education or indoctrination. So what mm-hmm. I'm saying to you is that uh, would you would you say what you're what you're doing is africating the people, giving them th- your overstanding of technology, uh, your expertise, and at the same time from an Afrocentric point of view, is that what you're trying to do? That's absolutely what I'm doing. When we look at empowered technology, when we look at the Ascension algorithm, um, when we look at spiritual technology, all of that is rooted in Kepra. And I mentioned Kepra earlier in the show. So when we deal with Kepra, I'm, I'm sure you know what that is, coming into our being, the emergence of being, this rebirth, resurrection, change, renewal, transformation, Ascension. That's what the empowered technology system is based off of and of course Kepra is a comedic reality of course absolutely brilliant so you are africating the people and i want you and i want to give you that because there is a big difference because we 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 beg for this thing called education which is basically eurocentric indoctrination but really yeah. we need to start africating our people and you know mm-hmm. i i champion that brother you know because thank you you know because of the indoctrination we fight against Anytime we're trying to be africated, because a lot of us have lost our mind. Like you rightfully said, it's absolutely true. I know people get yeah. offended by that, but it's truth. Uh, you know, most of us don't know that we don't know. So, yeah. Um, yeah and the, the other thing is, uh, the other question I want to uh, put to you, my brother, is this: Yeah, um, you know, I don't think you're. I don't think you're saying you're against uh, uh, um, AI. Uh, uh, you know what we've described as AI. I don't think you're saying that, are you? I don't know. You may Correct. be saying that. No, that's correct. Okay. Well, brilliant. Because the reason why I asked that question because I, I'm into I'm in IT. Yeah, I had a biz. You know, I've done a lot of work in it. Yeah, I'm not a programmer, but I've messed about with it so much. It, it's, it's always been my hobby, electronics, everything. Yeah. So mm-hmm. what I'm saying to you, the way I see it, um, it can be a fantastic, fantastic tool. Now, let me tell you, I'm 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 53. Yeah, I'm a grandfather, and I I mm-hmm. just you know, what I'm realizing, my mother always said to me, do things when you're young. The problem I have, it's not that I don't know what to do with this. I, I, you know, I know what to do with laptops. I can fix them, repair them, take them apart. I can do, build computers. But what I'm finding is at my age, I don't physically have that energy and time. And like what I'm saying is, you know, young people, if they understand this, they can achieve anything communicate with anybody they can become their own master uh, mm-hmm. do you agree with me uh, well 
Yes, but we don't necessarily need the technology to become our own master. We have that technology within us already. Okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. You have to have that divine understanding and that divine yes. intelligence. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. So, brother, you know, all I can say to you is that, you know, we're on the same page. And it, I, I don't know anybody else, to be honest with you, who does what you do in the way you do it and articulate it in Thank the way you. you do it. And I think it's brilliant Thank from you. that Afrocentric point of view. I don't, I really don't know anybody who, you know, who can articulate and put it as well as you do. Um, uh, what my only, the last thing I'll say is that what I want for you is to tap the world. I want you to tap the whole mm -hmm. world. So any opportunity, mm -hmm. if you want a, an opportunity to come into the UK, you know what I mean? You can speak to, um, by the, by, Kwesi and he'll give you my information, mm -hmm. and I'll I'll help you to to reach the UK, and you know, okay. wherever else you want to go. Yeah, okay. Thank you, thank All you. Right. I appreciate Thanks, it. All right, that's Paul Coleman from from London, England. And one of the yeah. reasons why we have Paul calls in and let us know the folks mm -hmm. that our issues that we have here on this side of the pond, they're having the same issues in the UK. Exactly. And, exactly. And, and, and it's a global system. So if you could address that as well. Uh, Brother Sadiq, I appreciate it. Well, it's definitely global because when you look at technology itself, and I've said this, my onset in regards to dealing with transhumanism, AI, technology in general, was in overstanding Nilly Fuller and Francis Cress Wilson's dealing with people activity and how that relates to so-called racism, white supremacy. So I looked at those nine areas education, entertainment, economic, labor, law, politics, sex, religion, and war. All nine of those areas, with all due respect, now needs an asterisk because they're technology-driven. And now we add a tenth area, which is technology itself. So I, I base all of it on that. So obviously that's dealing with a global perspective when you deal with those areas of people activity and so-called racism, white supremacy. So that's the way I tackle dealing with AI, transhumanism, technology in general. Now, because of the, the African center that the brother was speaking about, obviously I looked at things from that perspective. That's the reason why my work is so authentic and unique and different from the majority of people that's out here doing this work. When I first started this work, there was no, there were very few people who looked like us doing this work. You may have someone who do a presentation or something, but no one had a platform dealing with this work, but there were a ton of platforms coming from everyone else. So that was how I dissected this notion of AI technology and all the things that come with that. That's why the work is so expansive, because I took that approach and I stood on the shoulders of Nilly Fuller and Francis Cress Wilson. So now we have uh, people who do look like us who are now standing on my shoulders dealing with artificial intelligence, transhumanism, technology in general, virtual reality, and all the things that um, we're dealing with at this point. And I appreciate them. Like I always say, let's just do it with integrity because we need other people and their analysis and things of that nature, but let's do it with integrity. I have no problem. I've documented this on many shows mentioning Francis Cress Wilson and Nelly Fuller. I've, I've documented the people whose shoulders I stand on, Ashwa Kwesi and his wife, 
Steve Copley, Amiri Baraka, because those people helped me as far as research and, and organizing and activism and things of that nature and having an example and being able to specifically speak with them and to get their guidance and their assistance and, of course, my parents. Now, let me say this. For those of you who are listening, I know some of you have been listening for years and you're saying to yourself, I'm ready. Let's go. I'm ready, too. If you're ready to do the one-on-ones, let's do the one-on-one. Work one-on-one with me. Have all access to me. Let's get these packages. You want the book packages or the new book? Let's get that done. I'm also doing a class coming up shortly, so you need to email me to register for that class. And I'm just excited, Carl. Every time I come on your show, I get more invigorated. I thank you for what you do. Um, the listeners, contact me at Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com. Excuse me, Siddiqui Bakari, yes, at Hotmail.com. Siddiqui, S-A-D-I-K-I, Bakari, B-A-K-A-R-I, Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook and Instagram, Siddiqui Bakari. Let me ask you this question, though, before we let you go. How, how does one know when they're ready for this information? How does one know when they're ready? Yeah. They just know. They're ready to make that step. They just know. When they're sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when they're ready. When they know something is missing, that's when they're ready. When they're doing the work and they're not getting the results that they desire, however they're doing the work, that just means there are some things that need to be connected. That's where I come in. I know how to get people to that next step. I do it over and over again. All right. And for folks who, who want to get to that next step, how do they reach you one more time? Email me, Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com, S-A-D-I-K-I-B-A-K-A-R-I, Siddiqui Bakari at Hotmail.com. Let's work together. Let's go to the next level. Let's tap into that spiritual technology. Let's transform. Let's ascend. Let's go through this process. Let's be authentic, consistency, discipline, focus. Let's bring out the best out of you and that divinity. And the title of your latest book, real quick. Nuclear Thought and Anatomic Algorithms. Nuclear Thought and Anatomic Algorithms. I guarantee you it's the preeminent work that you're going to find dealing with spiritual technology, nuclear thought, algorithms, AI, transhumanism, technology, so on and so forth. All right. Thank you, Brother Siddiqui. Thank you for sharing Thank this you, information brother. with us. This Appreciate morning. you. Uh, let me, Thank you. Before we go, just also want to remind you folks, we talked to uh, Dr. Barbara Reynolds first, and her book is called The Rise and Fall of the Techno-Messiah, Technology and the End Times. Interesting read. And if those of you are uh, interested in more, talk about artificial intelligence. She's going to be on a panel, an AI panel uh, tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern time. And it's just go to monthofnonviolence.org. That's monthofnonviolence.org. And, and have the conversations continue about artificial intelligence. We're happy and glad to have a brother like Brother Siddiqui, who's involved in leading us the way, telling us how these new technologies, the emerging technology, and what we have to do to get involved with them. Folks, we, we're done for the day. Have a great day, though. Stay strong. Stay positive. Please, please stay healthy. We'll see you tomorrow morning, 6 o'clock, right here in Baltimore on 1010 WOLB and also in the DMV on FM 95.9 and AM 1450. WOL, or information is power.